Well, I know your profile, Gordon. Beautiful agent, barely 30. I'm old school, Denise, you know that. Before you were Denise, when you were Dennis, and I was your boss, when I had you working undercover at the DEA, you were a confused and wild thing sometimes. I had enough dirt on you to fill the Grand Canyon. And I never used a spoonful because you were and are a great agent. And when you became Denise, I told all your colleagues, those clown comics, to fix their hearts or die. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. Hello, old friend. It's good to see you again. Hello. I have missed... The good times we had together. I really feel like we're missing an opportunity to have you conduct both sides of this conversation. I've missed these times too, old friend. I don't think it's him. Um, Duncan, that is insane. Uh, that is a brief glimpse of what we have to come tonight. Um... I am Bo Ransdell, uh, one of your hosts of Duncan and Bo. Come correct, heretofore known as Duncan and Bo. Go to Twin Peaksies, hashtag Twin Peaks, hashtag The Return Seas. Um, with me, as always, one Duncan McLeish uh, right over here. How about you, Duncan? How are you? I am doing very well. Uh, very much looking forward to continuing our journey into Twin Peaks and Return Seas. Seas. Yes. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't need to start a Facebook flame war here, Duncan. You get the goddamn name right for the show. Uh, it's never happened. I don't know. It's, I, it's like being afraid of somebody coming in and stealing my pills. It's never <laughs> happened, but it's always a fear. Um, uh, dear. I'm benefited by distance, Paul. Uh, yeah. Probably. Pure threats are meaningless. <laughs> I well, I'm not going to steal your pills, Duncan. Um, I don't have any pills, Bo. <laughs> uh, let's not kid each other. In um, my country, in my country, they don't give them out like candy. Well, they jump I, through hoops to get pills in this country. So I don't get mine from a doctor, Duncan. Oh, right. it's not those kinds of pills. It's the oh. fun kind. Yeah, yeah. I've got you. That's why I'm so worried about people stealing them. Um, so yes, we are continuing our, our journey, uh, our adventure into the world of Twin Peaks, uh, with episodes three and four of Twin Peaks, the return seas, um, which has been, uh, a, a delight thus far. And tonight we will see if that delight continues. Spoilers. It totally does. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of fun stuff ahead of us. So... Uh, before we get into that, listeners at home, there are things we like to uh, to address initially, and there are important things to discuss tonight. Um, first, though, let us begin with uh, a, a feature here, since time immemorial on uh, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, <laughs> which is to say, hey, here's what I've been watching. Duncan, what you've been watching? Um... Out with the copious amounts of TV, which is how I'm breaking up my uh, extreme movie watching at the moment, 
And when I say extreme movie watching, that doesn't mean I'm watching extreme movies. It means I've been binging a lot in a particular decade from my other show, which is finally wrapped up. All the recording has wrapped up there, so I'm, I'm kind of getting back into watching things that I've put on hold. But um, I went out to the cinema and I checked out that new Annabelle movie. And you thought... It was surprisingly good. <laughs> it's what I keep hearing. It, it seems to be the uh, the fate of these like shitty studio movies, is that the first one is god-awful, or mediocre at best, and then the sequels are pretty good. Yep. Yep. Unless it's Sinister, which was the other way around. Sinister was really good first movie, and then not so good second movie. But, um, yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought, um, out with the ending, which I felt they were shoehorning pretty much into the first movie, because this is a prequel, uh, for the most part, I thought the scares were effective. I thought it didn't rely too heavily on digital effects. It kind of felt like an old-fashioned sort of ghost story, so to speak. The mythology was pretty cool. Um, yeah. I don't think there was some people like losing their shit about the movie, saying, "You know, this is how you do a horror movie," um, and I, I wouldn't go as far as that. I thought as a as a cinematic horror movie, it it ticked all the boxes. Um, as a before before getting wide commercial release, hundred percent of Rotten Tomatoes. That's nonsense. That's yeah, well, we talked about nonsense. that, and it's yeah. You know, it it is the result of sending it to horror reviewers and and yeah, I would say and like and I know you held a the Ouija two movie Ouija Origin was it uh, um, Origin of Evil yeah yeah I I, yeah, I you held that in a slightly higher regard than I did sure um, although I I did enjoy it I didn't enjoy it as much as as you did I would I would say I would rate Annabelle probably along beside it. I think it's a really well-made, competent horror movie um, that didn't rely on all the cliches which really dogged that first movie. And it's why I didn't really get on board with that first movie. Is it was a well-put-together movie, but the script was awful and it was derivative to the point of, you know, you could telegraph and clearly see the committee behind every single jump scare in that movie. Um, you know, it was... It was it was a paint by numbers horror movie. This one less down that road. Um, yeah, and the, the the two are linked by the same young actress that's in both of them, and she's really really good. She's got a great career uh, ahead of her, and hopefully she continues doing horror movies because that's one thing we are missing. Um, I think about uh, like kind of the, the child actors who would appear in quite a lot of genre stuff. When you think of someone like a, a Daniel Harris or a Drew Barrymore or something like that, don't have many of them anymore. Um, and she seems to be falling into that camp quite well, and she's, she's a bloody good actress. So yeah, I thought it was that was a very respectable movie. So yeah. All right. Well, yourself? damning with faint praise by calling it respectable, but I, I get it. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't want like see if I like I have a tendency like when I like things, I tend to make them sound absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's just it's difficult for me not to undersell something that I am super excited about. But at the same time, I think that just puts a it puts out there to everyone that is the greatest movie ever. Um, so I'm trying to temper what I say about horror movies because I get super excited and all the rest, and then people go away and watch it like they did with Neon Demon, and then they come back and they're like, 
it's not a horror movie, or it's not as good as you said, or I don't understand why I like that movie and all the rest. So, um, if I was giving it a score, if I was grading it, I would give it a three and a half out of five. So that, to me, is a respectable grade. Old it's also a pretty good grade. Middle of the road, Duncan, we call him. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad to see that you're you're taking on like you're you're denying your essential Scottish nature, and instead being more American Midwestern, which is uh, it's interesting to see. Do this. Give me a you betcha. I will not. How dare you try and get me? Listen, I don't try and hit me with the the old moderate Midwest America. The Midwest America voted in Trump. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of <laughs> horror movies, we've been watching betcha. recently. So, <laughs> oh, Duncan, being an American these days, pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, it turns out. Uh, our racist grandpa became president, and mm-hmm. um, normally we make him sit at the small table uh, so he doesn't ruin Thanksgiving, um, and this time he has access to the nuclear codes, so that's fun. <laughs> uh, sleep well, everyone. Um, what, what, what I like is um, the fact that it seems to have surprised quite a lot of people, like journalists and stuff, like the last couple of weeks, seems to have caught everyone off guard and what that. Well, like, this has been this has been coming since this has been coming since like twenty fifteen. Um, there's a clear charted path here. No one should be surprised by it at all. Right? No surprise, surprised. The the guy who jumped on board birtherism and popularized it is kind of yep. racist. Um, the guy that said that um, all Mexicans were rapists. The guy that said a Mexican judge couldn't um, preside over um, a case. Of a white American because they can't be trusted to do that. Um, I don't yeah. need to hear this from you, Duncan. I see it on the backs of my eyelids. <laughs> so, I'm just like, I was like, all these, all these things that like have happened in the last year and a half seem to have just like, I don't know, like people have just forgotten. They did it. It's the, it's the MTV generation, bro. This is this is what happens. It's also it's also in part the fault of the American media as a whole. In fact, I would say the world media extend that blanket. Um, and by over-sensationalizing everything that the guy has done since taking office, people have um, short memories now because the next big scandal eclipses the previous scandal, which maybe wasn't that big a scandal in the grand scheme of things, that when this finally drops, people are like, oh shit, is this, you know, has he, has he actually done this? Has he actually went that far and like that? He has on occasion been quite as radical as this. Um, it's just... You saw it for two minutes and then jumped onto the next story. You've been so preoccupied with Russia that you didn't see that. It's a lot of a lot of nefarious shit happening on your own soil. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, to the rest of the world, listeners across the globe. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, we'll be we'll be better in a few years. Uh, I it's mean, only eight months. Eight months at ease. I know. It really, I bet it, here's the good thing, Duncan, is that those folks with terminal illnesses here in the States <laughs> now feel like they're living much longer lives. Granted, they are lives of dread and worry, uh, and occasional embarrassment, but longer lives nonetheless, Duncan. And, and for that, we should thank our president. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, at any rate, uh, so <sighs> it's so depressing, and you're bringing me down, and we're doing a show. Okay, so uh, I have been watching Duncan. Uh, a lot of movies from the 70s still uh, for the show that you've been doing on the podcast Under the Stairs, which has been, uh, of course, immensely entertaining. Most people have gotten it right. I would, I would say that's been refreshing to hear. You, you have, you have the distinct privilege of being one of only six people, myself included, uh, to see what the end list looks like. So, all the movies that made it through. Um, I'm, I'm not, just going to say it's a pretty, pretty good list. It's an amazing list. Like the top ten. Uh, that I put together, like that top 10 could stand as the best horror films ever made, period. Mm-hmm. You know, not just of the 70s. There are some great films on that list. And, uh, you know, I mean, we haven't recorded the round table or anything yet, but so what do I, what do I get? What prize do I get when a film from my selection, it takes the top spot? Um, well, I don't know if you know much about the Scottish, um, people but uh, as as a race uh we don't believe in um rewarding people for pointing out accurate things so <laughs> so you'll get nothing uh, well here in america duncan we get a trophy <laughs> for goddamn everything and and it feels good i feel good all the time as long as someone's <laughs> handing me a trophy and if they don't i feel very sad um yeah it's a fun fun time to be alive here uh so <laughs> Uh, what, what have I been watching though? So a bunch of the stuff from the seventies, uh, and I, you know, I don't think we talked enough about a little movie, uh, called the legend of hell house. Duncan, (laughs) I'm rethinking my list. Um, no, no, no. I have, uh, I have not, uh, unfortunately been able to watch a, a bunch of movies. The one movie I did see recently was a kind of shitty knockoff of the Martian, Called, why, why am I not surprised to bull watch something that was shitty? <laughs> uh, fuck you, McLeish, and here's why. <laughs> it was, it starred Mark Strong, who's not a nobody. Yeah, I do like Mark Strong, actually. I do, too. And uh, the other name in it is Luke Wilson, who is, again, not an A-list not star. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. And, and, and I like I like realistic sci-fi movies about space exploration. I like... Of all the movies Ridley Scott has done in the past decade, The Martian is easily my favorite of those. Oh, right. And so I, w- I was into the idea, and then I watched it, and like I said, it was kind of a shitty knockoff of The Martian. Like, it, it's just not a, a great script. It's kind of a boring movie when it shouldn't be. You know, like, they approach the, the material in a much more somber kind of way instead of feeling this kind of enthusiasm for like science and survival and, and, you know, as the title would suggest approaching the unknown. Uh, and it, it didn't have any of the magic of that. And it was all just like, Oh, I, 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 there was a thing I should have done to potentially save my life. And I didn't do that kind of yeah. out of pride. And now I've got to go to Mars and not survive. And it's, Eh, you know, it's just kind of dull. Like I said, like one thing the Martian has for it, for being a movie about a guy who basically grows space potatoes, uh, it's it's a an exciting film, and yeah. and approaching the unknown just doesn't get there. Uh, I was approaching a nap, Duncan. 
<laughs> well, you mentioned uh, Ridley Scott there. It's worth saying that I did finally check out Alien Covenant and don't get the hate. Really, really, really don't get the hate at all. Is it is it a great Alien movie? No. Is it a terrible movie? No. <laughs> it's like I don't understand why it can't be. Why people can't just like judge something. Well, Sitting on the fence again, Bo, right along the middle here. Uh, me, I don't say, understand. Say Alien Covenant is just fine, you betcha. No. <laughs> I'm not your performing monkey on this show, right? Um, <laughs> on this show, let's on be On this accurate. show. Uh, any other time, yeah. It would be no problem. Um, yeah, I, I, it was a bit dumb in places. Um, it was a bit contrived in places. Yeah, there's a lot of digital effects. Some of them are not as good as others, but Fastbender's phenomenal in it. Like, actually phenomenal in it. Um, the kind of world building that Ridley Scott does is really great. Um, it's a slick looking movie, for the most part. And, yeah, some of the deaths were pretty rad. So, like I said, is it, I don't think it's as good as Prometheus, which was a movie I really did enjoy. Um, but I would still, I would still rate it, you know, above some of the other installments, um, in there. So yeah, I don't get, I don't get the hate. I don't understand why it has to either be a masterpiece or it's a piece of shit. I don't understand why there's no middle ground when it comes to alien movies. Yeah. That's across the board. Like every alien movie is either rated like amazing or shit. There's no middle ground. There's no people saying, oh, that's a, a decent enough movie, which is weird. It's one of, one of the few, uh, kind of horror franchises that actually exists in that bubble um, of it's either amazing or it's shit. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Ridley Scott, uh, to your point, I think Legend is the perfect example of that movie for me, that I think any scene with Tim Curry is among the best things I've ever seen in a movie, mm-hmm. and everything about uh, else about that movie is unwatchable. Yeah. I, I just can't stand it. And so, yeah, it like Ridley Scott is a troublesome director for me. I, 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 it's always been that way, though. I mean, if you look at his, his catalog of movies, um, yes, he's made some phenomenal movies, but he's made a lot of junk, a lot, a lot of junk in there, and that just is part and parcel for, for you know, it's, once again, it's, I don't wonder why people are like, it's not Alien. He's made Alien. <laughs> Why do you want him just to make Alien again? You have Alien there. See if he wants to experiment and try and build worlds before it. Well, that's fine. Does it does it detract for how awesome Alien is as a movie? No. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's fucking up with the story before it happens. That. Oh. That oh. makes no like. Look at the movie as a standalone movie, and if the movie, even if it falls within the franchise, first and foremost, when you review a movie, don't worry about what came before it, and don't worry about what comes after it. Review the movie as a standalone movie. Um, I mean, it seems to be okay for people to review, like, Friday the 13th Part 7 with that logic. You know what I mean? They don't worry about consistency before or after the movie. They review it as, you know, is it a good, is it a good slasher movie? Is it a good, you know, Jason movie? Um, that seems to be fine there, but when you, when it comes to an alien movie, no, it all has to fucking tie up in a neat bow or, like Prometheus was yes. Prometheus was slated because it didn't it didn't do enough to tie itself in with the with the original Alien movie. In fact, it didn't really try in the grand scheme of things. Um, and then this one, uh, Covenant, 
Scott actually attempts to, to, to do a bit of tying it in, very much safe in the knowledge, although I don't think it'll happen now, that he was going to have another film to play around with to bridge the gap. So he definitely started building things out that way, and people don't like it now. I, d- I don't get it. It's like you can't please everyone, um, but everyone constantly wants to be pleased. I don't understand that. Yeah. Well, and I, I you know, like you and I, at some point we need to just do a show where we talk about Prometheus, because I don't like that movie at all. Uh, but it would be interesting <laughs> to talk to you about it and raise the the issues I have with it. Um, because it's, I, I like, I don't just shit on the movie. I, like, I have very specific problems with that movie that makes it hard for me to enjoy it although it's beautiful and uh, like unquestionably Ridley Scott is a a director who is capable of brilliance and Mm -hmm. so often stumbles and I think that's what's frustrating and I think that's why Alien Covenant had such high expectations is it's well it's Ridley Scott doing an alien like a real alien movie for the first time since Alien and so that has obvious expectations that come along with it. And you can argue Prometheus, but that's uh, that's barely an alien movie, if it is yeah. at all. Yeah, but Ridley Scott doing an alien movie is not what people want to see. Right. People they want to see the cinema want to see Ridley movie. Scott. Yeah, no, I don't even think they want to see that. I think people that are going to see a Ridley Scott alien movie want to see a Ridley Scott aliens movie. I think that's I see the what criticism. You're saying. They wanted an action I, yeah, I, movie, not a sci-fi movie. Yeah, I don't think anyone actually because Prometheus is a sci-fi movie. Um, it's not an action movie at all. It's a sci-fi nope. movie. Um, so, and Covenant is a sci-fi movie. It's not an action movie. So, I, I don't think people. I think people sometimes get muddled up about exactly what it was that you know Alien is um, as a movie, as opposed to Aliens. Um, I think I think that's one of the big. I'm not saying that's all the concerns, but I think that's that's quite a lot of the concerns. People are not happy that you know, and, and I don't even think that he's made the definitive kind of stuck in space sci-fi slasher movie. So, like, if he wants to do all the world shit, you know, all the like, because basically, quite to me, watching those movies are are basically him kind of exploring the meaning of life, really. Um, where did we come from? How did we get here? What's the purpose of our existence and all the rest? And that makes sense. He's getting on. He's in his spot. He must be close to 80 now. Right. He's um, he's, he's flatlining on the weekends. Yeah. He's, get, hanging out with the flatliners, seeing what's on the other he, side. He's, you know what I mean? He's, he's getting on. And a lot, a lot of people look more towards that the older they get. So let them do it. Um, you know, I, mean? I just I don't I, like I say I don't get the don't understand the hate when people are like that. He's destroying the legacy of Alien. He's not. He really isn't. Alien still exists. You don't need to ignore. That's like saying that Crystal Skulls, you know, like destroyed every Indiana Jones movie before before it. Yeah, that's just yeah, fucking yeah. nonsense. You just disregard the ones you don't like. You still like when when Alien Three came out. Um. You know what I mean? And that is a hot mess of a movie. One that I don't mind for the most part, but it's a hot mess of a movie. No one was saying that, you know, like, oh, Alien and Aliens are ruined now. Fucking, I don't get it. Have you done uh, the Alien franchise on Teapots? I don't think you have, have I you? have not. No, I've never yeah. done, I've done Aliens only when I've done, um, and I've that'd never be, went through them all. Yeah, so. it'd be interesting. You ought to, ought to, uh, ought to think about that. Listeners, you should message Duncan 
on on Facebook at the podcast under the stairs on Facebook and let him know you would like to hear uh, an alien retrospective. And it, <laughs> and and if you don't hear back from him, do it again. Uh, so. <laughs> Thanks, Bull. You're welcome. Uh, f- fuck all that. Let's talk about Game of Thrones, Duncan, which is a new addition to the show in as uh-huh. much as we only started doing it when Game of Thrones came back. But uh, it's one I've looked forward to. And I assume you are caught up. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, one episode left to go. Yeah. Uh, so um, the episode before the last one was fine. I mean, a lot of fun stuff happened, but it was a lot of setup. Um uh, Again, they're mild spoilers here, but fucking zombie dragons. All right, let me. All right, let me. It starts with a fucking zombie bear, Duncan. And <laughs> when you start with a zombie bear, what you're saying is, Bo Ransdell, you need to pay attention to what's coming because we made this show for you. Yeah, they put in a zombie grizzly just for Bo. <laughs> I was I was beside myself happy, and. Then, to find out that something I'd been calling amongst friends when we chatted about this show for some time, saying there is most 100% going to be a zombie dragon, and to see that happen, I felt both uh, vindicated in some ways, and also just overjoyed at the sight of that thing. Because that thing's going to breathe ice, Duncan. That's going to be awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. I felt like such a nerd at the end of that episode. I was just, I was squealing. Like, Game of Thrones is legitimately as good as TV is going to get, you know, for the next wee while, I think. Um, And I think, like, watching that TV show, like, I I know there's been criticisms in the past of, you know, how much the show costs and, um, you know, people complaining about the fact that this season was only going to have seven episodes as opposed to its usual ten running and all the rest. I'm like that, you're getting longer episodes. Every episode feels like a movie. It's like I'm watching it like that last that last episode. I'll tell you another thing about it as well, is like I went off the Walking Dead. I I, I don't think I'll ever go back to it now. I think um I started the season that came out last year, I, I got two episodes into it. And that was after a slog to try and catch up to get to that point. And I kind of punched my ticket out, and that was me. I, you know, I, I, I don't think I'll ever go back to it. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones, like, gave me, like, a scene with zombies and um, in that last episode, which is easily the greatest TV zombie thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And it kind of made me think, and no offense to Walking Dead fans, and I know you still. I think you still watch the Walking Dead. I, I there was a point where I had to say goodbye as well. I have not seen yeah. the last right. few episodes. Right. So, like Game of Thrones gives you character development. It gives you drama. It gives you very complicated storylines. Um, like all these things that the Walking Dead like are, is apparently doing, and that's why there's no zombies or there's a lack of. Like good use of zombies, and then Game of Thrones took that from me as well. So, um, and and Chesty called that checkmate. Uh, you know, what I mean, I, I can't see me ever going back to The Walking Dead, and I, I don't, I don't want to, um, because all the stuff that I kind of wanted to watch and get from The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones is giving me it now. So, I know it's kind of funny that uh, <laughs> it it really has become 
like it, it basically just takes everything every other show does and is like yeah. oh really let me show you how you ought to be doing this and yeah. uh it's it's really 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 good i and, mean and it's like all the characters now are are kind of starting to diverge in one place and i can't remember the last time where i was genuinely like rooting for so many characters now you know what i mean like when i started that show i was very much in team stark um, and we went right down the road now that I don't like certain Starks and like other ones, and I like some Lannisters but not all of them. And you know, like it's it's just it's a really, really, really well crafted show. Um, and obviously that has all to do with George R. R. Martin's work in the background, and you know, I mean that's testament to the books I've never read. But they've went off piece now, and they're they're off doing their own bits and bobs with it. So that that to me shows that there's a kind of mutual respect from the writers and the author now that he's kind of passing the torch on. I know he's still involved creatively with the show, but it, yeah, it's just it's just great. It's, the visuals, man, honestly. A fucking scene where a guy turns around to face zombies, lifts his sword up, puts his hand over his sword, and it bursts into fucking flames. <laughs> man. Like, this is just fucking uh-huh. great. This is basically like fucking you're a jedi knight right now that may as well be a lightsaber it's fucking amazing uh and i'll tell you at the beginning of that last episode which is nothing but the guys walking through the snow and talking had some of my favorite moments in the episode it was just it was so funny um i'll I'll tell you the one complaint i have is, is one that i had with uh the last episode we talked about where jamie uh gets like thrown clear of uh the dragon fire and it's that i feel like we lost people on that episode but there were so many moments where it was like here's another death defying escape and it starts to strain credibility to an extent but again i'm having such a good time with the show that part of me is like ah i kind of don't care like yes we've we this deus ex uncle benji that we throw into the episode felt a little tacked on, but all things being equal, it's like okay, fine. It wrapped up that character, and also yeah, and plus he's been he's been tra- like we we saw him in the previous season. We knew he was out there, and you know he's he's been close to the action for a while. So I'm, I, I don't I don't like mind that. I I tell you one thing though, I will say, and I know what you're saying about it, it kind of feels like the show for a show that was so ruthless with with the death of characters, it seems to be quite restrained. Um, moving in this one, I'm almost 100% certain this final season that will come in just over a year's time. Um, it's going to be like it's going to be like the final season of The Sopranos. Like all bets are off. I would say that there's a good 75% of your favourite characters will not will <laughs> get through the end of that. I think it's going to be a fucking bloodbath, um, and I'm ready for it, Bo. <laughs> I'm yeah, so yeah, so yeah, ready yeah. for it. Uh, I I as well. Uh, yeah, it has been incredibly fun, and uh, I, I you know the next episode is going to be epic. Uh, and and then we got to wait forever, and then we'll stop talking about Game of Thrones for a while. But yeah, they're saying late twenty eighteen, possibly early twenty nineteen, which a lot of people are like. Oh my god, that's so long! But then remember, we are getting Westworld next year, so. And that's right. kind of what HBO want to do. I think they wanted to separate up Westworld and Game of Thrones, so they have these big landmark TV shows coming out once a year. 
um, and putting them, the two of them out in the same year is just counterproductive for the, the size and scope of both shows. So, yeah, the likelihood is we'll get a Westworld and then we'll get Game of Thrones, probably, I would imagine it'll be very late 2018, early 2019. And then I imagine we'll probably get Westworld end of 2019 into kind of 2020. So, yeah. I, I can't wait. I can't wait for it all. Give me it all. HBO are proving once again, I mentioned Sopranos earlier on, but HBO are proving once again that when it comes to TV, uh, they do it just a little bit better than everyone else. And, you know, we talked about it on this very show uh, a couple of weeks ago, but that Room 104 ain't nothing. Um, Have you been watching it? Have you been I, catching up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I might be back one episode. I, I've seen the first three. Uh, and I thought all three of them were good, and I thought the last one was great. Yeah, uh, that that one with the you know, with Tony Todd was was pretty amazing. That's a really good episode. So yeah, that I mean that show is for real. So uh, definitely check that out. And um, all right, enough of that, Duncan. <laughs> it is time, long past time, Duncan, that we discuss episodes three and four of uh twin peaks the return sees um and we're gonna pick up where we left off which is with agent dale cooper hurtling through non-existence uh he he then falls into a purple cloud Mm -hmm. and finds himself uh in some sort of steel house slash boat not a houseboat just a house that may be made of metal of some kind and is adrift on a purplish sea. Yes. And, uh, which is, you know, odd. Uh, <laughs> but he finds a door, uh, in, 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 which leads him into the interior of this thing. And he kind of enters this weird sort of almost like, it's like if a prison wanted to make a homey living room. Mm-hmm. And but it's very it's very stark, but it it also has these like a sofa and these kind of elements of of comfort. Um, and there you can hear electricity humming all the time. Uh, within this room is a woman with real jacked up eyes. Yeah, they're kind of they're being replaced by quite a bit of scar tissue. Yes, but it also looks kind of jagged and. It doesn't look like fine work, Duncan. Like not not the work of a proper surgeon. <laughs> it kind of made me the, the kind of one of the first things that um, that sprung to mind was that um, the, the couple that were murdered in the last episode um, had their eyes well, they had their faces clawed at, viciously clawed at, and it kind of made me think of that. You know, maybe this is someone that managed to escape, but but a scarification across the eyes and. Uh, and this is how they've survived, maybe. Well, and we're going to learn a little bit more about what that might be uh, here in a moment. Um, and and one other thing that's worth pointing out in this scene is that the editing is very jumbled up. It's like time is kind of out of whack in in this scenario. The, like there are cuts back and then there are stutter cuts and that kind of thing. It's very like uh, this staccato pace. Yeah. It kind of reminded me there today on Facebook, someone posted a funny video of a rather rotund woman doing a bungee jump while wearing a GoPro camera pointed at her face. Um, 
And I, <laughs> gotcha. Like, okay. That's exactly the effect that we're using. <laughs> like, yeah. It was kind of like very shaky forwards, backwards. You thought you'd just seen what you'd seen before, that sort of thing. Um, it's, I mean, Lynch is laboring a lot of points, um, or laboring a lot of scenes and techniques and, and what he's doing. And he's done that always in Twin Peaks, but he's doing quite a lot here. So we're getting, like maybe a, a bit of distortion in time and stuff, but those scenes are are going on. What should in theory be more than is necessary, um, but once again, in the hands of Lynch, it just seems like it's it, it, you know it's mandatory. It has to be there in order to work. So, like I've read some negative comments of people saying, you know. Like these particular effects go on too long, and I think they actually go on perfect. Because I think at the end of it, you get a, a sense of how disorientating the whole environment is for for Cooper. Yeah, and it's not like Lynch doesn't understand pacing because there's plenty of this this show that moves at a nice clip. I yeah, I think you're right. It's just this sense of otherworldliness, and also of letting you sit and kind of stew of like, where the fuck are we? Exactly. What is going on? Exactly. And and like you're puzzling that out along with Cooper. And when he sits down beside the woman with the jacked up eyes, the girl with the jacked up eyes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I saw them play that live. As a matter of fact, that was a lot of fun. Um, So if you don't know what we're talking about, message Duncan at the podcast under the stairs (laughs) on Facebook. Ask him to do the alien retrospective and, and explain Bo's joke. And explain <laughs> faraway eyes. Um, but, all right, so she's given his face a grope, you know, which is kind of blind people checking people out, mm-hmm. uh, to the best of my knowledge. Um, and she seems like she recognizes his face. Because when she feels his face, she starts to talk, question marked to him. But it's just this series of kind of whispery grunts. Yeah. And and even Cooper is like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, um, <laughs> lady. Uh, this is weird. And so then this banging starts coming on. The uh, 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 like a bang starts hammering at the door. And there's underlying all of this is this weird color and also the sounds of this buzzing electricity. It's this real what? unnerving combination of things. Yeah, well, electricity has been a theme throughout. Twin Peaks as a whole, and it usually signifies something bad's happening. It used to like preempt Bob, right? Um, it's it's the spirits of the Black Lodge can travel via electricity, and it's, it it seems to affect electric electrical fields around them, and all that stuff. Yes, all that good stuff. Right, all the mythology of Twin Peaks of like. <laughs> Uh, this is the part of the stuff that uh, uh, the conversation I really love, though, where it, it's like, yes, uh, clearly, Duncan, the spirits <laughs> of the Black Lodge travel via electricity and can affect electrical fields around them. Let's not be stupid. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's a big fuse box thing on uh, on the wall that has the number 15 on it, which is important. Mm-hmm. And... Then she's kind of making, like, cutty motions at her face. And, like, she's trying to uh, tell him something. 
But again, it's like I, I maybe you're t- saying this happened to you, or the thing at the door is this thing, and probably the thing we saw chew up that couple. You know, uh, generic white dude and his girlfriend. <laughs> generic white dude. <laughs> Did have coffee though. Look good. Yeah. Well, of course. We'll get to a coffee gag <laughs> fairly <laughs> shortly. Um, and so the banging gets louder and louder, and then she drags him up to the roof, yeah. which now they're no longer on a sea. They're in this big, just empty void of space. Mm-hmm. And there's an old-timey Bride of Frankenstein lever on the <laughs> yeah. side of this metal box. And so uh, the crazy-eyed lady turn like pulls that lever and then apparently is shocked and then thrown into the void yeah and cooper is like oh fuck that seems uh unfortunate at best <laughs> that's that's a bit weird wait one second what's this <laughs> oh is that a shimmering face of the colonel <laughs> floating beneath me mouthing the words Blue Rose. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, and so that happens. <laughs> Doesn't get any bluer. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, sorry, spoilers. Um, so, the banging has stopped at that point, though. And Cooper makes his way back inside, only now there's less of the weird electrical hum. Yep. And, like, it's no longer saturated in that same color. Like, it looks like a colorful place now. Also, the panel now has a 3 and not a 15. Yep. So it's as if, by throwing this lever, Crazy Eyed Lady was actually moving him to... An alternate dimension, a different room, something. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. And I'm glad we're, you're with me so far. And so now there's a woman in a red dress sitting by a fire, sitting in front of a fire on a sofa inside. And then she looks over and and looks at him, but doesn't really seem to pay any mind to him, really, until you start to hear that staticky buzz of electricity again. Mm-hmm. So cut to Duncan Doppelcooper riding down the highway. <laughs> yep. And he's getting the electrical crazies. Yeah. Well, his time's up. He's right. supposed to, he's supposed to be back in the black lodge now. Yeah. And we're about to get like this giant info dump on like, here's what's going on this season. Y'all um, or at least for now. And yeah, so he's, he's the electrical connection to the Black Lodge and Spirits of the Black Lodge. Like he's about to get sucked into the cigarette lighter or something, uh, and have to go back to the Black Lodge. And so he's getting, um, like weaving around on the road and looking none too good. Um, and so then we cut back to Cooper, Agent Cooper, not Doppel Cooper, in the, <laughs> Uh, in the room with the woman in red. And so all the staticky stuff is, is happening. So we, we understand that, Hey, there's a connection and between like this panel on the wall and Doppel Cooper's 
car, cigarette lighter, that there is going to like be a, a crisscross, a swip swap uh, between Cooper and Doppel Cooper. And uh, the lady in red says, uh, hold on, let me get the line. When you get there, you will <laughs> already be there. And then Cooper gets sucked into the panel, mm-hmm. uh, all except for his shoes. Yeah, you're not allowed to take shoes with you. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's only organic. I don't know what. No shoes. And <laughs> Black Lodge rules. It's like it's like a, a a Japanese house. No shoes yes. in the Black Lodge, no or shoes. in Black Lodge transfers. So anyway, so he starts to get sucked into the thing, and then we cut to Doppel Cooper, and he's weaving on the road until he finally has himself uh, a good old fashioned motor car accident where yeah. he flips over, and then we cut back to Agent Cooper and the lady in red. Uh, with all this banging going on and there's the buzzing and he's understands now, like if he gets close to this panel, he gets sucked part parts of him get sucked towards it. And she says, uh, you need to hurry up because her mother is coming. Yeah. And then off he fucks into electricity land, uh, agent Cooper, I mean. And so doppel Cooper after his accident is now just furiously trying not to vomit. By clamping yeah. his hand over his mouth. Yeah. So he's, he's, um, like, not only that, but he can see out his crashed car, um, out the, the windshield, he can see the, the kind of red velvet curtains and the distinct flooring of, um, the Black Lodge kind of starting to do that materialization that does when it starts to come in. Yeah. Um, and he's desperately trying to hold back vomit. Um, oh, it's so and, cool! I really like that effect. It's it's an awesome effect, and I I really like the they're doing it like because he used it in the previous seasons, but now they're really kind of pushing it out and, and using it. I think it's a great. Um, and at this point, Bo, um, <laughs> two become three. Um, <laughs> as uh, Kel McLaughlin. <laughs> Hey, it's Kel- Dougie! <laughs> yeah, Kel McLaughlin becomes the third character um, he's playing in in this season. And we meet Dougie, who who really looks like a kind of... Like, if Kel McLaughlin wanted to become like a really shit Elvis impersonator. Yeah, um, it's, it's Fat Elvis in a green real estate jacket. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, he's... Oh. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> and he is um, he is being looked after or tended to by a a prostitute by the name of Jade. Um, wink, and, wink. Yeah, wink, wink. Um, and one of the things we notice right away is that Dougie has a particular ring, which is also Jade. Wink, wink, and it is the distinctive green ring that both. Me and Bo discussed in length on Fire Walk With Me and the secret history of Twin Peaks. The right. secret world of Twin Peaks. So yeah, so this is an important And if you skip ring. that episode, the the importance of the Jade Ring is that if you are wearing wearing the Jade Ring, you are Bob-proof. Yeah, you, you're Bob, yeah, Bob, you're Bob-proof. Bob um, can only kill you, he can't occupy you. Um, 
And I believe the insinuation is that Bob acquired this after his his escape um, at the end of season two from Annie, because it was Annie that had it. Hell's Annie. Um, so, hey, she's ringless. Uh, That's how she is. Yeah, she is. She's delighted. The, the, She's currently probably still in a hospital trying to get over the fact that someone stole a ring. Um, and yeah, so he, he's wearing that. And um, Jade, the prostitute, goes off to take a shower because she clearly has some sex stank all about her. Um, and at this point, Dougie doesn't look too well. It's like the, the effects that we, we get that once again, that kind of hum of electricity. And he too starts feeling a wee bit queasy. Um, tries to make his way to the toilet, but the door's locked because Jade's in having a shower. And he continues to crawl along the carpet of this unfurnished house. Um, New-built house as well. And um, Yeah, yeah I, I mean, let's pause for a moment and appreciate the fact that Dougie is fucking a prostitute in a house that he has access to yep. because he's a real estate agent. Yeah. It's no, like Dougie's a dirt ball from Jump. <laughs> yeah, not only that, the the particular development is named after the production company set up by David Lynch and Mark Frost, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, it's Rancho Rosa it. is the name of the the development, which is once again nodding a wink to the audience. Uh, but yeah, he's 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 a he's Dougie's not a nice guy, right? He will become a nice guy shortly, but at the moment. Dougie's not a nice guy. You look at him and you can see that this man has lived to excess. He is not, he's not went shy of a meal. Um, he's probably went to some other pharmaceuticals. Uh, maybe those pills that Bob was talking about earlier on. Um, maybe he likes a drink or two and we will find it very shortly. Um, likes a gamble. Um, and he is, he seems to be under the effect of whatever, um, our doppelkooper has and he bombs full-blown vomit of what is pretty horrible, actually. It looks like a scene from the Evil Dead, or, or maybe City of the Living Dead. Um, yeah, it's more his... Fulci than Raimi, for yeah. sure. He <laughs> like, vomits up his intestinal tract. Um, and at this point, uh, there is a transference, but it's not the transference we thought was going to happen, Bo. Indeed, that... it is not. Uh, yeah. Instead... Um, Cooper, uh, reses Tron-like, uh, into the Rancho Rosa home. Um, well, all right. So Dougie, I'm skipping over important shit. Sorry. Went ahead in my notes. So Dougie, um, gets sucked into the Black Lodge. Yeah. And he doesn't know what's going on. (laughs) And super sleuth Mike sees Dougie in the Black Lodge sitting in this chair, and it's like, who the fuck are you? And except it's it not far off what he says, actually. No, that's just... you. Um, <laughs> and then uh, he realizes pretty quickly that Double Cooper, in his words, manufactured Dougie. Yeah. To... This is an insurance policy. Right. It, well, it's to keep Double Cooper out of the Black Lodge. Yep. And and uh, Mike tells him that, well, you were manufactured for a purpose. Now that purpose has been fulfilled. Yeah. And um, <laughs> then he starts to shrink, at which point Dougie <laughs> just looks down and goes, huh, 
that's weird. Greatest, greatest line ever. It sums up, like, sums up everything. <laughs> <laughs> that bit's weird. Not everything else I've seen in the show. That's weird. Um, his hand shrinks till the ring falls off, but he doesn't, he's, the rest of his body doesn't really shrink. His head just disappears into a puff it, of black smoke. Right, it kind of pops <laughs> off into a puff of black smoke while the rest of him shrinks into nothingness until finally just this little golden ball, like a, like a, 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 a tiny little one-tenth scale phantasm ball mm-hmm. uh, is all that's left of Dougie. And uh, and when it when it happens, like Mike has to shield his eyes from the light and stuff. So Mike puts the ring on the table in the black lodge, and then he fucks off. And it's yeah. like, well, all right, well, I guess we'll get back to this in a minute. Uh, <laughs> question time, Duncan. Yes, Darren Wilson asks us: uh, is, is Dougie's the second best haircut in the multiplicity Cooperverse? Oh no! No. What, what's your ranking of of the the Cooper hairstyles? A uh, doppelkicker, uh, Cooper. Obviously, I said doppelkicker. Do- like, doppelkicker. Twice as many things on a doppelkicker. Doppel <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I like the kind of the hawk esque locks of um, of doppelkicker, uh, and then I would have to say Agent Cooper. Obviously, he's dashing, he's sharp. He's he's your leading man. And then I would say the unkept Elvis do of, of Dougie is third. You know, the, I'm gonna. I, I'm afraid I have to disagree, Duncan. I think it goes classic Cooper, Cooper classic, and then Dougie, and then I think <laughs> Doppel Cooper. They're all amazing, Duncan. The, like there are no <laughs> losers here. I'm just saying my personal preference is I think the Dougie hair is amazing and I have a fondness for classic Coop. Um, yeah. But, uh, so there you go, Darren. Question answered. Axed and answered. So, yeah, so Cooper then Tron reses into Dougie's place, again, without shoes. And then Jade rolls into into the room and is like, Dougie... Did you throw up in here? Also, what what are you doing in a different suit, weighing less, and with a different haircut? Yeah. But apparently everyone overlooks that enough. Like, everyone comments on it. But no one's like, well, clearly you are not, you know, uh, from the Black Lodge, which would be my first assumption uh, mm-hmm. in that scenario. But in this case, no, they, they're just like, Dougie, I don't know what the fuck's going on with you, but we need to get out of here. The other thing that's crazy about all of this that I will complain about multiple times as we're discussing uh, this episode, why does no one call an ambulance? Like, Dougie is not in good shape. I, I, I have a theory. And we will come to it later on. Alright. Uh, I'm, I'm... I, have, I have a theory specifically about about Dougie as a character and the environment that he's in. Um, but yeah, like, it's worth saying that, like, Dougie Cooper, as we're now gonna, I'm assuming we're gonna call him, um, he is Agent Cooper, but because Bob wasn't returned to the Black Lodge, we kinda have a, a broken version of Agent Cooper. Um, 
which is an, like, probably the nicest possible way to describe them. Yeah, um, anything else becomes a real issue on social media. Yeah, it, it, it's essentially it's what happens when you put a, a disc into a computer and you wipe it. Um, like he, he does not know who he is. Um, he doesn't know where he is, and really has to be moved around and told things, uh, which you can only really repeat without comprehending. Um, and yeah, so we we finally we finally managed to get out the property. Uh, Jade manages to get them out, and then we're we're seeing this at the same time that we're seeing Doppel Cooper throw up, <laughs> like like once again. This is more Evil Dead, I think. Uh, just like or the Exorcist, one of the two. Um, a combination of what looked like um, like horrible vomit and um, some some of that cream corn that we're used to, that garbage. Garman Boja. Yeah, what seems to be coming out of his uh, his mouth as well. Uh, and then he passes out, essentially, as a character. So he has escaped the Black Lodge. Bob, we're calling him Bob, um, has managed to secretly escape um, or evade his uh, return to the Black Lodge. His proxy one, uh, proxy keeper, <laughs> um, was taken in his place, uh, but as a result of this trickery, Agent Cooper hasn't really returned. His body is there, but his mind is not. Right. So, I mean, although there are glimmers of recognition as we go through this, but yes, for the most part, he is a bit of a, a, a blank slate. Uh, but so Jade kind of gets him up and moving, and uh, so Dougie Cooper... Uh, is piled into her Jeep because he can't find his keys. Um, we do find keys, though. We do, and that was super fun, which is he reaches into his pocket, and there's his room key from the Great Northern. And you're like, oh, yeah. I hope that is important later. Um, <laughs> and so... <Maybe>. Uh, <laughs> So as they're heading out, um, in comes uh, wh- what's the guy's name? One of uh, uh, you know Doppel Cooper slash Bob's thugs. Hey, uh, fuck. Yeah, we'll just call him A. Oh, fuck. Yeah, whatever. He's not super important <laughs> so far. We'll we'll learn his name later when it matters. Um, <laughs> so he shows up with another dirtball friend of his, and the idea is that as soon as they see. Dougie Cooper, they're going to kill him. Thus, you know, creating a situation where there is only Doppel Cooper and only Bob. And which is important, we find out here in a bit. But because yeah. uh, he was looking for his car keys and instead found the Great Northern key and that kind of tumbled out and he bends down to retrieve it, when Jade comes out of the uh, uh, the, the real estate development where the killers are are lying in wait, uh, they don't see him in the Jeep because he's bending down to get the key. And so dirtbag number two calls dirtbag number one and says like, hey, she left here alone. And dirtbag number one is like, okay, I got this covered. And he goes to Dougie Cooper's car and puts, one assumes a bomb, something under the car. Yeah, the, yeah it's, uh, it's either an explosive or it's a tracker. One of the two. 
Right. Something like that. And it also is witnessed by a kid across the street um, who is probably there squatting with his drug addict mother. It's hard. Yeah. You know, I don't think they yeah. bought into the development. Um she seems to be on like the worst trip ever and keeps repeating the phrase one one nine. Um which I'm assuming she means nine one one, but I don't know. <laughs> she keeps saying it over and over and over again. Very weird. Well, and she's she shakes out the one pill left she has among three bottles that are sitting on the table. And is staring at that, finally pops that pill and washes it down with what looks like some bourbon. Mm-hmm. That's a good evening, Duncan. That'll kick <laughs> you back. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, her kid is eating presumably stale crackers, saltines yeah. from a bo- like a ripped open box of said saltines. It is just the saddest thing you ever saw. And the whole point of the scene is just like, well, here's this awful thing that's happening next door. I, you know, yep. we'll get back to it, but eh, that's kind of it. Uh, for the, for the rest of this show, um, but yeah, so that happened. Then the cops show up, uh, to check out the car accident involving one, uh, agent Dale Doppelcooper, and he is passed out. He finally had to blow chunks, so he had to blow his Garmin Bogia, but because, yeah. uh. Dougie, the real Dougie, got sucked back already because he blew chunks first, apparently. Like, here's my theory right now, is that Bob is on a mission, or, like, his his time out of the Black Lodge is just spent, like, feasting on all these evil things so that he can gorge on Garmin Bogia. Because I I feel like his pile of Garmin Bogia was way bigger than Dougie's. Yep. And so... If he ejects all of that, expels the physical version of that, then that's what frees him up to go back to the lodge. Like, as long as you're holding it in, you're kind of stuck on the plane, but it's also trying to get out of you. It's yeah, just well, they're the- supposed to bring it back to be consumed, aren't they? Because we saw that um, at the end of... Well, at Firewalk With Me, they, that's they mentioned right. it. Yeah. That's right, uh, yeah, where they had Leland Palmer and the and the in the Black Lodge, and then they removed all the pain and sorrow and blood from him, which was then converted into Garmin Boja there. So, yeah, so I think you're right. I think he's been like like a like a squirrel or a chipmunk, been storing all that or a hamster, it's probably a better one, um, storing all that shit in there uh, to, to bring back, and has expelled it, so he has saved himself going back. Exactly. Or that's, again, my dumb theory right now. So, uh, it could, it could change quickly. So, uh, within this episode, I mean, and when they go up to the car, the cops get immediately sick because apparently this Garmin Bosia shit smells rotten, mm-hmm. uh, because you know, it's distilled pain and suffering. So, you know, it ain't supposed to smell like roses. Know what I mean, Duncan? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's what I say every time I leave a bathroom. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile, Duncan at the Twin Peaks Sheriff's, uh, department, Mm -hmm. um, first of all, Agent Hawk, uh, or Deputy Hawk, Deputy Chief of course, has a 
donut disturb sign. Which is like, like, see when you see stuff like that, you feel like you should be mad, like because it's cheesy, and it's like it's like carrying the joke too far. But when I see it, I just I'm like that. This show is just the fucking greatest thing ever. And right? Where what? do I get one of these things, and how can I find an excuse or a reason to use it all the time? Can I just wear it around my neck like Flavor Flav wears a clock? I mean, I agree with everything you said a, a million percent. Uh, <laughs> it's. I want one so badly, uh, and I, I I just need to do the legwork on it. Um, so anyway, that's awesome. And but there, so they've got everything laid out uh, from the Laura Palmer case because uh, if you'll remember remember from the last episode, Deputy Chief Hawk is in the process of uh, reopening all of this stuff at the behest of Margaret the Log Lady. Yeah, and. Then the rest of the scene devolves into this discussion discussion of uh, how you know if something is missing or not. And yeah. <laughs> it's an extended gag. And here's the thing I realized uh, in watching these episodes, like a revelation that seemed new to me, although it shouldn't be. David Lynch loves dad jokes. Yeah. For all his absurdity and his like in weird investigation into the darkest parts of the human experience, the thing that makes Lynch so fascinating to me is that coupled with all of that darkness is a genuine fondness for dumb gags. Yeah. And yeah, I think <laughs> this Twin is yeah, the, the, Twin Peaks to me is the... I think he does it in other movies as well, but Twin Peaks, I think, is the, the perfect kind of marriage between the two ideas. I think it's where he, he gets opportunity to to really stretch out his kind of dad-joke comedy. Um, and he has the perfect... like the, the beauty of it as well is he can be weird and kind of oddball and cookie and all the rest, but he has characters that he can inject quite a lot of humour into. Um, and most of them... Are in the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Office. Yes. Uh, almost every bad joke in Twin Peaks is probably going to involve Andy or Lucy somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this case, it's a really long scene between the two of them, uh, or between the three of them, which culminates, by the way, in Lucy revealing that she has eaten uh, a chocolate bunny that was evidence in the Laura Palmer case. Yeah. <laughs> and at any rate, uh, it's it's a dumb scene. So, but it feels very Twin Peaks at the same time. Like, it's one of those scenes that feels like you're going home a little bit. Yeah. But also seems completely, not completely, partially out of place within the context of the other stories that are going on, you know? Yeah, we do, we do a, a, quite a bit of jumping backwards and forwards, and a lot of the story, a lot of the story thus far, even by you know this point and that third episode, is set out with Twin Peaks. That it kind of feels nice to get back. Feels like you're coming home to Twin Peaks every time you, you spend there, and these scenes are very memorable because of the goofiness, which you're not really getting elsewhere. Yeah, the stories are a bit absurd out with. Twin Peaks is an area with the characters, but at the same time, the humor's not there necessarily uh, until you get back to your characters that you know and love. 
Mm. True words who have never been spoken, Duncan. <laughs> not by anybody, not by any uh, any time. Um, so, Dr. Jacoby is up to dark business in the woods. Um, <laughs> he, he has constructed a pretty rad machine that he uses to spray paint the shovels that we saw him buying in the first scene of Twin Peaks proper outside of the Black Lodge. Uh, he is spray painting them all gold and we don't know why, but he invented a, a real kick-ass machine to do it. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. He's, um, he's not, he's not the Jacoby that we love to remember. He's now something wholly different and having, like, went a fair few episodes ahead of this one already, the reveal of what he actually is is fucking amazing, so... That like, people might be like, I don't understand why we're coming back to scene. Trust me, it pays off, and it pays off in the most glorious way. But yeah, he's spray painting these shovel gold. So for some reason, uh, yeah. So we don't know why yet, and we're not going to see him again. It's just a reminder: Doctor Jacoby is in the woods spray painting shovels gold. It's all you need to know. Um, <laughs> so meanwhile, Dougie Cooper, uh, with his new lease on on life. And his busted ass brain. Um, they are both dropped off by Jade at uh, the Silver Mustang Casino. Mm-hmm. And Jade gives him five bucks and tells him to call for help. And he says, call for help. And uh, she's like, Dougie, you need, you probably had a stroke. <laughs> and... <laughs> And which is a reasonable assumption given his behavior. Yeah. And she comes the closest. The prostitute comes the closest. Not to diminish prostitutes. I'm saying their relationship is casual, Duncan. That's what I mean yes. by that. So, um, not that they were doing anything wrong. In fact, I support it. In fact, I'm a prostitute, Duncan. Um, I don't know what that means. Tell me something I don't know. That's true. It's where all the money comes from. But, uh, <laughs> but the prostitute that he spent moments with, uh, in a, in a, an a unsold home, uh, is the only person who's like, you need to go to a doctor almost immediately. I'm not taking you there, but I'm at least going to tell you, you should. And here's some money now call for help. And, uh, but, oh, and she, when she's trying to get him out, she says, you can go out now. And which is the thing that Laura Palmer told him. And that it, it triggers something like Cooper's not totally blank. It's just all buried. And uh, at any rate. So uh, <laughs> Cooper then heads inside where he says, call for help. And the the security guard or whatever is like, oh, you need you mean <laughs> you need to gamble. All right. Go over <laughs> here to this cashier. And uh, Meg Foster is the cashier. Uh, you nice will- little cameo. You may remember from such films as 31 mm-hmm. or Lords of Salem. That. Yeah, I'm trying to forget that. Nothing else. That's all she's ever done. <laughs> but she's she, she's the cashier and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, call for help. And uh, so she takes his five bucks and gives him change. And it's like, the slots are over there. And he's like, okay, thanks, lady. 
because uh, apparently he's our new James. Sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> Can't make him James. I, I know. James. I'm sorry. It won't happen again. Um, we might we might need a Dougie voice. I just don't have one at the ready. I'm sorry. Maybe something will well, happen. Well, you know how we do it. We'll organically it, find if it's that c- voice at some point, and it'll stick. Yes. Unfortunately, I only have like eight voices. <laughs> so we're going to have to double up now. From now on, Meg Foster and Agent Cooper and James are all the same character. Oh, um, no. But anyway. So um, when he makes his way, when Dougie Cooper shuffles over like an infant Duncan, like a newborn fawn, uh, staggers over to the, the slot machines... Um, he sees a guy hit a jackpot and he goes, hello. So that sticks in Dougie Cooper's craw. Uh, he's like a child. Like you say the wrong thing around him. That's the thing he's going to repeat over and over. Oh yeah. I've been there. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I, mean, I, I bet your child is the most foul mouth person more so. Surprisingly, even su- surprisingly not. Um, and I don't know why <laughs> I really don't know why. Because uh, things have been said around that child that would would turn your hair white, both. So I I've seen things that would turn your shit white. Um, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Ernie Hudson coming up, um, yeah. <laughs> not this episode, but coming up. Uh, so um, he sees that guy hit the jackpot, and then he starts to see these kind of wavery burning images of the black lodge yep so the triangles above above the the machines which which show the the red curtains and the distinctive floor pattern and a kind of wavy mirage like um kind of triangle above them and it's worth pointing out that this is a throwback to old school agent cooper who we found out upon his visit to one-eyed jacks Happens to be a pretty fucking great gambler. So he just has an intuition. Um, so this is one of the remnants from, from old Asian Cooper, which strikes because, uh, when he goes to the machine that has that and puts his coin in, um, he hits the jackpot first time. Um, but he's not finished there, Bo. No, and it's worth pointing out because she's going to show back up, uh, minor character, but there's a crazy bird haired lady. Uh, yes. playing slots, and you know what I mean by bird-haired, right, Duncan? Yes. Uh, it's a lady who has birds living in her hair. Yes. And that's what... said Park. <laughs> and... I can't remember what the, the bus driver's name was, but that was one of them. Yeah. It, I mean, she's a real, like, kind of lady, and... <laughs> <laughs> I think she plays the... the old woman slash devil in the Tenacious D music video for tribute all right that would uh, make sense to me but yeah uh, it's I'd... almost identically the same character yeah we'll <laughs> we'll this verify one, this yeah. later with her fact checkers um but yeah so she's like like uh dougie cooper sees one of them uh black lodge triangles over the slot machine next to her and he starts to go for it and she's like no and uh <laughs> he's he's you know, wanders off to another one. But then once Dougie Cooper gets the the magic touch and is hitting all these jackpots. And by the way, he doesn't really know to collect the money. So he hits a jackpot and then he just wanders off to the next machine. So yeah, the, the, the 
people that actual work in the casino have security guards going around all the different machines and guarding them until they can collect up all the coins. Right. And so finally old old crazy lady is like, where should I play? And um, he's like, there. And so she goes and hits a jackpot too. And so like they've rung up like 30 jackpots in a, a short amount of time. Um, but before we get to uh, <laughs> so, some more casino Dougie shit, let's head to the F- FBI headquarters in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. uh, where Cole, uh, Deputy uh, Director Cole, uh, yes. Albert, and uh, one Tammy Peterson. Yeah, uh, TP. Yeah, who you may recall from uh, Secret History of Twin Peaks, the character that was assembling and notating that dossier is now in Twin Peaks, unsurprisingly. Yeah. Um, but it's still kind of neat. It, like, it ties it all together. I'm like, I'm a big nerd. And it was like, yeah, oh, that's Tamara. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's almost as if the person that wrote that book wrote this show. I mean, if you want to. In advance, as a way to create hype um, and interest for the upcoming series. Almost, almost as if they did that. You hear that, listeners? Give that a think or two. Duncan's <laughs> cracking knowledge eggs on you. Um, yeah, it's a false flag operation, boy. That's what it is. It, it's still kind of cool. Um, so they're uh, they're talking about uh, Matthew Lillard's crime, and um, he's saying like he's innocent, but he knows who did it, but he can't say because of national security. Do I have this right? Is it Lillard who like that they're talking about here? See, I didn't pick up on that. I thought it was, but I could be wrong. I thought it was because I, I thought they were talking about that murder, but I, I might I might be off. So, uh, but they're talking about some case, and then they say, "Well, what he did though, he can't reveal who the the killer is because of national security, but he hid clues in his garden as to yeah. the identity of his killer." And Duncan, I made a note of what those items are. Oh, tell us. All right, so there's kind of a cheesecake shot of a picture of a blonde lady, uh, you know, in kind of a summer dress, hanging out, being pretty. There is, uh, hold on, I lost my list. Okay, there's a pair of pliers, another picture of girls in bikinis, a picture of a little boy on a beach. Here's where it gets interesting, Duncan. Mm-hmm. A submachine gun, and then most interesting of all, a jar of what could either be pumpkin seeds or lima beans. You be the judge. Oh right, it's um, <clears throat> not the greatest collection of evidence, Paul. Well, agent uh, or deputy director Cole g- gets one look at it, and he says, "Ah, the congressman's dilemma again, unexplained." Don't know what the Congress, like, in theory, I guess the congressman's dilemma is having to always fundraise and be beholden to someone else while attempting to legislate. But, mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that's my guess. (laughs) Uh, So, but it's kind of a, 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 a funny scene. And but so then they get around to talking about the the uh, glass box and that whole situation and the you know 
generic white dude and his girlfriend what done got cut up by uh, an evil monster. Mm-hmm. And so they show a picture of the crime scene, which is pretty great. It's pretty awesome. It looks disgusting. And so they say, like, okay, here's this big glass box, and there were cameras on it, and here's one image from the night of the murders that shows, like, the shimmery kind of image of the monster thing. And, all right, but so here's the thing about the bodies. There is no evidence on any of the bodies. They're completely clean. Not not at all. Right. And so while they're puzzling over that, you know, kicking the peanut around, uh, thinking about that, uh, what's all crazy about that, that goings on, then comes a phone call. And maybe the words that I kind of was waiting to hear anyway on this show... Uh, where somebody walks in and tells Deputy Director Cole, you've got a phone call from Agent Cooper. Uh, and like, Duncan, you know, and I know that it ain't the real Agent Cooper. It ain't Cooper, it's Bob. Yeah, he doesn't know that though. And, um, they find out he's being held in a federal prison in Black Hills, South Dakota. And that, uh, so Tammy, Cole, and Albert are going to go interview Cooper the next day in the federal prison in South Dakota. There's another great dad joke in here, which I kind of love, where, um, where Albert uh, says... Oh, wait, oh, that's yeah. next episode. Is it? Yep. Oh, right. That's when they're in the limo. I know what you're talking about. Cause, oh, right. Because that was the moment of my revelation. And I made a note uh, about it. So, uh, hold, hold off that. on that, Duncan. Don't you get ahead of me. Don't you do it. <laughs> um, so no, uh, the, the, that's the kind of the end of the episode. Cause then we cut to the roadhouse, which is wh- how we end Twin Peaks now for yes. a musical number. It's like hee haw when they do a couple of skits and then they'd be like, and now Waylon Jennings. And that's, kind of how Twin Peaks is these days. Um, I have no objections to that at all. I, I, I quite like it. Yeah. It, no, I, I'm not complaining. Uh, th- this, I, ooh, I, I didn't make a note of the name of this band, but it's kind of this rockabilly band that feels like it came out of David Lynch's brain anyway. Yeah. Like, I want some young men playing 50s music. It's like David Lynch has like a weird knowledge of music as well like he's really into quite a lot of current music loves a lot of really modern stuff as well and he, i i i'm going to suspect that he's behind all the the band choices in this season fyi there's a lot more of that still to come um so yeah i love the idea of all these big bands though uh just stopping on the on the roadhouse like why not <laughs> like is one of the venues they're going to play at um, but yeah, each episode kind of finishes with, with a, like a band playing some, some manner of music, uh, at the roadhouse, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it, it really is kind of an interesting way to be like, Hey, thanks for coming by everybody. Let's sing you out. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Krista Bell who plays, uh, Tamara Peterson, Ferguson, Schmendelson. 
What's her name? <laughs> Tammy Preston. Um, TP, remember TP? Yeah, I remembered it was TP. I couldn't remember what it was though, or the the actual P. Um, so, um, she is a musician first and foremost, mm-hmm. and has worked with David Lynch. So, yeah, I've got the. I'm sure I've got the single that she sang on, uh, which came out a couple of years ago, I think. So, Night Ride. Because I, I listened to. David Lynch's music for some reason because it's fucking weird as balls. Mm, it's just a not the David Lynch I know. <laughs> so so fucking weird, um, especially when you get there's a whole album where David Lynch sings in it, and it's not singing it kind of as him being Gordon Cole, uh, like over the top. It is weird. So yeah, it, I'm you should listen to it. It's awesome. I, I I absolutely need to. I'm I'm afraid that I'll like it too much. This is the it's the the risk we all take um, <laughs> when listening to David Lynch perform music. Um, yeah, so, like because yeah. I feel so as I've said on this show before, I feel I feel so weirdly in tune with sort of Lynchian storytelling, at least right. that I'm afraid if I sink into the music too, then I'm just never going to come out. Like every every show I do from now till the end of time is all going to be like. Hey, Duncan, <laughs> let's do a show. Um, yeah, we've already said this. Like the impact of this show on our our psychological well being is uh, is profound, uh, and the full the full effects um, of the psychosis will probably not be determinable until we uh, finish doing this show and oh, try generations, and do something else. Duncan. Yeah, try and do something else and see just how we try and adjust to normal life again. I don't know if we'll be able to. It's just going to echo down the years. Um, so much stuff for for us to do TV wise. Um, it didn't help that this week a picture drop, dropped of Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny on set doing the new X Files. Yep. Like, oh, no. Get ready, folks. That's coming. Yep. Westworld. Just there's a, there's a whole hell of a lot of TV out there for us to discuss. Fortunately, they're all doing it in like oh, well, here's ten episodes. So. Yeah. That that is good, yeah. Because I don't, not yeah, I don't know if we could do another <laughs> twenty-two episode run. Um, well, and if X Files do did, did what they did before, it'll be like six episodes, which is enough. Yeah, I, you know what? If they want to run it six ten, you want to push it to twelve. I'm okay with that. But let's not let's not get stupid and start doing twenty-two, twenty-three episode seasons or anything. Yeah, that's that's that does not work for, and it may it may please your fans. It does not work for me and Bodo. Right, and, uh, off off we fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Duncan, the, here yes. end of episode three. This so this is recorded one night after, approximately the same time as the last one. Except I've already recorded another podcast, hence why my voice is slightly hoarse. I've my better microphone down with me, and I've just done Thirsty Thursdays, which requires me to drink. Um, so I've had a fair few beers and some whiskeys. So, but what I'm saying is, this review is going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, we've got the episode to get loose with. Um, yeah. All right, so let's let's just get into it. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, Dougie Cooper is still at the Silver Mustang Casino, where he keeps hello, <laughs> yeah, where he keeps hitting all the jackpots. <laughs> and Granny Weirdo is now referring to Dougie Cooper as Mister Jackpots, which is pretty great. 
That's the greatest name ever. Somebody threw up hashtag Mr. Jackpots. Totally on board. <laughs> I'm totally with it. Um, and uh, so she starts asking him, like, hey, which slots should I play? And he's helping her out. Like, even, like, she goes to the wrong one and he kind of leans because he hasn't figured out pointing quite yet. Mm-hmm. So he just leans towards it. Um, and as all this is going on, up comes Dougie Cooper's pal, Bill Shaker, uh, who has been in a million things. And the only one I can remember is the butterfly effect, which is awful. That is an yeah. awful way to sell that actor because he's way better than that. Yeah, he's been in a lot. But um, the woman he's with is the one from The Innkeepers and from Cheap Thrills. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember. I can't remember what her name is, but that's where she's from. So, like, weird cameo. Like, what's kind of what I love about Twin Peaks is we got that list of three hundred, like, kind of A and B star actors who who were going to make these appearances, and they just appear at random times. And I, I kind of love that about the show. But yeah, that's who that is. Uh, are they B? I I don't know that they're B tier actors, Duncan. Not like not to say that they aren't great, but yeah. I don't know that they're B. I like Bruce Campbell to me is a I, B actor. I did not say that they were. I said that the list of actors were A and B. Okay, but I, they're they're probably C actors. Yeah, they, yo, she she certainly is. She doesn't do a lot, um, and I, he's been in a lot of comedies. Yeah, like when I was a bit younger, he did a lot of comedy movies. I want, I want to say that he he did maybe one with Tom Green, but you are right. He's he's a good actor though, and he has like a weird interaction where they have the "You're Dougie," and he's like Dougie, and then he looks at the food, and the guy almost gives him it. He's like that. Listen, I've not ate, and that's exactly what I would do in that circumstance as well. If I had a hot dog and someone was looking at it and I hadn't eaten a few hours, both you would starve before I would. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> no, yeah, my, I mean my hot dog. <laughs> yeah, just like there are no atheists in foxholes, Duncan. <laughs> there are no hot dog shares in casinos. That old saying. Yep, tale as old as time, bro. Song as <laughs> old as rhyme. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you did that. I didn't know the second the second <laughs> line. I like. I've only seen Beauty and the Beast a couple of times, and and clearly, like you go into Aladdin. Sun, I'll school ya. But mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast, not so much. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I don't, I don't know that that's important to this story. Um, so, Bill Shaker... <laughs> Bill Shaker is like, Dougie Jones! And, like, taps him in the chest. And, like you said, he's like, Dougie Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill Shaker uh, is like, Hey, man, are you okay? You don't look okay. And... Uh, uh, so it ends up where like Dougie Cooper is like, we're home. And but that's what he, we're home. And Bill Shaker is like, you know, he, explaining to his wife, he knows where he lives. You live on Lancelot court. You got the house with the red door. And uh, so they point him to the cab stand outside the casino mm-hmm. and leaving him with a, I don't think, I don't think Dougie's all right. And again, <laughs> once more, leaning into my theory of one of the things that's kind of broken about all of this is that no one's like, we need to get him to a hospital right now. Like we know this individual on at least a semi-personal basis. 
And, yeah. and why are we letting this someone who has either had a stroke, I think Jade was close on that, or of course being transferred electrically from the black lodge to Las Vegas. And you know, there's similar effects symptom wise. Yeah. I have theories, like, I have theories of what I think Lynch is trying to, maybe he's not, I think Lynch is trying to make a statement about Vegas, though. I Maybe so, because Vegas is undeniably a shithole. Uh, it's, it's a weird, weird place, and when I was there for only three or four days, I saw people who were more inebriated and more out of it than... Uh, than Dougie Cooper <laughs> and no one was interacting with them. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I don't know. And we don't know what Dougie Cooper was like beforehand anyway. Well, I mean, he's, if he's anything of... like, if well, he's anything like a uh, doppel Cooper who is not exactly all there either. Um, with well, the way he talks about things like this, you know, so for all we know, Dougie may have been a bit slow. Maybe so. Uh, but clearly not as slow as Dougie Cooper is because oh, no, Jade is very clearly like something happened to you. And, um, <laughs> so, um, and, and all right. So, so Dougie Cooper is heading for the cabs and the like security sees him and grabs him. And, you know, you're kind of reminded throughout the episode that there are cameras constantly watching Dougie Cooper as he, he's hitting all these jackpots and we see at the beginning of the episode, like the the staff of the casino being like, yeah, there's 30 jackpots. And the owner or the manager of the casino or whatever uh, is like, man, we're going to go bankrupt. Uh, like nobody's supposed to win like this, but it, it, it doesn't seem like he's cheating. We can't get him on anything, mm-hmm. but he's going to bankrupt us because, you know, house always wins. <laughs> yeah. With, a, you know, again, little black lodge magic rubbing off and, and fucking things up for the common man. But <laughs> I'm on the side well, of casino I, owners, Duncan. I, I'm, I'm like, it's black lodge magic, but at the same time as Dale Cooper magic as well. Like Dale Cooper, we, we know in the past was really good at gambling. This is so absolutely like the, true. Yeah. Which is like a remnant. I think how it's manifesting to, to um, Dougie Cooper is that it's manifesting in a way where we're seeing this visual representation of Black Lodge magic, uh, which is something I did not think I would say today. <laughs> like above these these cash machines or slot machines, which is basically directing him there. But he was he was always really good at that. And once again, I know we don't like jumping ahead, but there are are other elements of the Dougie Cooper character moving forward. Which people are like, like when you read the reviews, people are like, it doesn't really explain why I did this. And I'm like, it did because Dale Cooper could do X, Y, and Z. So I, I like it. Small touches like that, that, you know, once again, it's not just them trying to be goofy and weird and all the rest. They are linking it back to to, to the origins of the character. But yeah, they, he gets hauled up into this casino room. Um, and this manager is basically like, here is money. Now, you need to come back and respend this money, <laughs> like, yeah, because th- this is a casino, which means it's probably owned by some nefarious people, and uh, I don't want to have to meet those nefarious people. So, anytime, day or night, and they they lay on thick. Dougie Jones obviously says day or night, and then he gets picked up by a limo to take him home. Yeah, we're home. Uh, we're home. <laughs> we're home, and uh, he. 
it, so yeah, so the limo driver uh, gives him like a cartoon bank robber bag of money, mm-hmm. and so they eventually find the house with the red door. This is another one of those scenes that seems to go on uncomfortably long, but it's also what I like about it. Mm-hmm. And so finally, the limousine driver gets. They find the house, and he gets Dougie out of the back of the limo. And then Dougie just stands there because, again, he's all broke in the head and doesn't know what the fuck to do. He just knows he was supposed to go home. Now he's home. And, or in theory, whatever that means. And Naomi Watts, welcome to the show, by the way. Oh, yeah. She is a tour de force. She's fucking amazing. Naomi Watts is here. Um <laughs> Can can someone please sample that and send that to Naomi Watts? I will like I will not be happy until Naomi Watts has heard the spontaneous Naomi Watts theme song, like created by this show, but in particular by Bo Ransdell, on the spot. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, I'm a big Naomi Watts fan. Not just the Lynch stuff. I think she's amazing in. She's uh, a great actress. Uh, the movie The Impossible, which I think is a, a terrific movie, actually. I was going to say as well, I really like her in a little Cronenberg outfit called Eastern Promises. Oh, sure. Great in that movie. I think she's just a great actress as well. I think sometimes people unfairly remember her for the bigger cinematic roles, so something like The Ring or Rings, for example, where she did those movies and all the rest. But she's doing stuff in the background, and in particular Mulholland Drive, where like she's one of the reasons Mulholland Drive works for me. Yeah, there, I mean, there's two main actresses, and if one of them is is off, that yeah. movie falls apart, and they're both tremendous. And she's kind of like a, she's kind of almost like a Laura Dern surrogate in that movie, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because so. they look very similar, and Dern wasn't in that movie, so they they managed to to get her, and she kind of took over that, and she fits really, really, really well with with Lynch it's a good match she's a very versatile actress and she isn't above going a bit absurd and really throwing herself uh, apart and she is the the embodiment of the kind of 1950s American housewife and I kind of love it though I think it's fucking brilliant I think she's amazing in it and this the first glimpse we get of her coming out that door and walking up and slapping Dougie in the face and where have you been and you've been gone for three days and you missed Sonny Jim's birthday because that's the name of their kid, Sonny it's Jim. the best. Which is amazing. Once again, just amazing. Um, you miss Sonny Jim's birthday and all the rest and get in this house now and she drags him in and um, we have this altercation between the two of them where she's like, where have you been? What's in that bag? Give me this bag here. And she opens the bag and she sees the money. And then we get this indication, this glimpse into what has been happening in the Dougie Cooper household prior to Agent Cooper assuming control of the body, kind of. Um, and it's that they owe a lot of money to some people that you probably shouldn't owe money to. Yeah, we don't um, know who yet, but clearly Dougie was into some shit. Yeah, stuff he should not have been into. And from her reaction, there is enough money in there to finally get them away from all that. And I love, I love the fact that at that point she kind of changes her tone. And you know, you've, you know, you've been away for all these days, but you've got this money and it's kind of saved us. And let me make you like a sandwich and get you a piece of cake. 
uh, and all the rest. And Dougie's expression does not change no, for the whole scene. Not at all. Like, as Naomi Watts goes from furious to confused to elated, all in the space of this scene. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments is when she says, this is the most horrible, wonderful day, Dougie. Mm-hmm. Let me get you a piece of Sonny Jim's birthday cake. That's brilliant. And yeah, and you're right. And like Dougie is just, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Just nothing. <laughs> like but yeah, the language that like, when I was talking about like 1950s, like Lynch has always had a hard on for that era. I mean, all you have to do is look at movies like Blue Velvet and you'll see that he's, he's got a hard-on specifically for that era. Um, and her dialogue is very much, it's like a sitcom. You know what I mean? It's like a, like a, like a 19, it could be the Brady Bunch for all we know. Um, yeah. The way she's speaking. I, I think it's, it's great. great. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think this whole scene, th- this whole episode is just bang, bang, bang. I yeah. mean, everything about it just fires on all cylinders mm-hmm. um all right go, all right so we we leave dougie uh sitting in his chair <laughs> you did that deliberately because you wanted to laugh I, yeah i did because like, <laughs> i could play you funny, like a fiddle a mcleish throwing a funny noise watch the scott laugh uh-huh uh <laughs> i'm not i'm not above it um i mean you get you get the highbrow with the naomi watt song clearly <laughs> Because that's art, Duncan. Art. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's... it's pronounced art. Um, art. <laughs> you know, art. here's a dumb joke that has followed me through the ages, Duncan. Oh, uh, uh, here we go. Um, it is a, a gag from the movie Weird Science. I love Weird Science. And it's the party scene when... Uh, like all hell's breaking loose and Kelly LeBrock has been mingling among the party goers. Mm-hmm. And she goes, excuse me, uh, Arthur and starts to stand up. And the kid goes, it's art. And he, and she goes, Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Art. And it's <laughs> the dumbest joke in that movie. And it has stuck in my craw for 30 years at this point. It's embarrassing. No, I- I used to, like, I, I, I've not watched the movie in many years. I know for a fact that if I was to watch it, the line, Gary's just taking a shit, will kill me, will have me crippled. Like, because it's, like, I, it's just such a silly, 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 silly scene. But it's the way they play it and the facial reactions and the slap to the face and the shut of the door, all in quick succession. It's a fucking great... I, Weird Science is you know, a good movie, man. I will. It, you know, you, it's racist. You know, yeah. Oh god, just just a bit. Bring it. It is misogynist. Bring it, uh, dude. The number of times in my life I've said he don't even have a license, Lisa. Um, <laughs> uncountable. It's, the thing is, you know, like when people say they don't make movies like they did in the eighties, because you and can't, people, you can't do yeah, that today. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. There is, I don't, I don't think you probably could in the eighties. Actually, I just think people were, uh, there was just so much coke flying around on execs' tables that people weren't really paying attention to what was going out. Right, okay. um, it's fine, it's fine, it's gonna be fine. Yeah, I, I really, I. Just, Genuinely, think that's why, because there is a whole hell of a lot of stuff that came out in the eighties that should not have been released in the eighties. But when they talk about those, I, those sort of the the kind of crazy 
out there insane concept movies just don't get made anymore. Well, you remove the racism and all the rest from that movie, casual racism and all the rest. Just the premise of a movie like that would never be made now. The closest we've had in many years, Duncan, because I've thought about this too, was a Hot Tub Time Machine. Exactly. Yeah, that, I, Hot Tub Time Machine feels like a movie that should have been made in the 80s. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Agreed, Bo Ramsdale. Which takes us, uh, Duncan, to uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, where we are treated to a scene between uh, Gordon Cole and uh, now Chief of Staff of the mm-hmm. Federal Bureau of Investigation, De- Denise. Oh, this is this is why I love. Like, can I just tell you something? This, how many other directors out there would come back with a TV show that they had made twenty odd years before, and all these actors and actresses that went on to do bigger things would say? I mean, Decoffney's no slouch. No, I mean he's doing X Files now. I mean he's got his cash cow. Yeah, X-Files, he did that Aquarius show. He's just come off a very long and very profitable Californication stint. Oh, sure. He he does not need to come back and do a cameo dress as a woman. You know what I mean? The fact that he comes back speaks volumes about David Lynch. Right? Yeah. It's people people saying, did I I get an opportunity, even if it's for two minutes on screen, to, to work with David Lynch again? Sign me up. I fucking love this scene. I, lo- I love this scene because I said to you before, like like a while ago when we were talking about the first entrance of Denise, I gave away a slight bit of information because I'd already seen this episode by then to say that we were talking about the use of a, a kind of a transvestite or a transsexual. I think it's in the case of this one, I think it's maybe post-op. Yeah, it seems to be. If not, certainly has been living as a woman for years and years and years and years. Yeah. Uh, and what we said was that there was no one really doing that in a way which felt like, you know, this character is a character as opposed to a caricature. Or the, the, in- the punchline of the scene is, yeah. Yeah. look at that guy wearing a dress. Yeah. Back in 1991, right. that just wouldn't happen. And what I love about this scene is David Lynch basically pats himself on the back through the dialogue in this scene where he basically says, you know, when all these people would have stood up and made funny and all the rest, I told you know, I stood up for you and all the rest. The line, which you, if I may interrupt Duncan, cause yes, the line is so good. The line's fucking brilliant. I did not write it down. Bo. I told them to fix their hearts or die. There you go. Ugh. And that, that to me, that to me is, there's a bit of David Lynch, being a wee bit smug here as if to say, right, look at look at how far we've travelled now, but don't forget that I was on the I was on the cutting edge of this and it wasn't a punchline, it wasn't a joke when I did it. When I put your character out there, I put it out legitimately seriously and it was handled in in that way. I kinda love that. Because basically he's been holding he's passing information that the think they found Cooper. Cooper's in trouble, and he is going off to see them. And Denise is concerned because it turns out, although we've never seen it, maybe, maybe haven't we, we should, Duncan? Have we, like, Shelley? Yeah. Well, we know that he was, but the fascination with Shelley wasn't because she was young. The fascination with Shelley was that 
he he could hear her. No, clear. no, no. Before he could ever hear her, it was a wee bit. Right? He was like, "I'm gonna go look at her." Like <laughs> and he was. That's the kind of girl you write poetry about, Cooper. Like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Oh, I, 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 I love I, hearing I, I, that. Uh, yeah, you're right. But I love this idea that we are twenty odd years on, and that's not changed. And so much so that the 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 director of personnel within the FBI is like couldn't help but notice uh, uh, you're you're taking old TP with you. Um, she's a young, attractive woman. Even like even me as now someone who has made the transition, the you know there's a stirring in the the non-existent loins. <laughs> Towards this character, she is pretty, and she is pretty attractive. But um, you know, it's like that. You know, it's a wee bit suspect and all the rest. And you know, Cole shoots it down. He's having none of it, Bo. He's having none of it. He stood up for everyone. He's, you know, he's looking at her as an agent. He's taking her under his wing. There's nothing seedy. There is no gropy, gropy, touchy feely. Uh, softly, softly, catchy monkeys. Bo likes to call it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's none of that here. He is. But he's saying that, and I'm thinking to myself, isn't there? Isn't there David Lynch? Isn't there? Yeah, I mean, the, like, you know, real life people, um, <laughs> that, like, Christabel has been kind of a muse for David Lynch, both musically and obviously he cast her in this. And, I mean, there are a lot of pictures of them hanging all over each other. So, oh, yes. uh, I'm, I'm sure as he was casting this, you know, is he making a dig at himself a little bit? Maybe. Um, and I that's think fine. a lot of what, we, I think a lot of what we are seeing in Twin Peaks is, is more Lynch and less Twin Peaks. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a lot of him because, you know, we've talked about this before about his interest in like transcendental meditation and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's very much a guy who explores his own interior landscape. And so as an, as an artist, that's what he's like. You remember he's a painter. He's a proper artist, and that's what you're supposed. And he's also a musician, and that's what musicians and artists do. And to be honest, that's what good filmmakers should do. You know what I mean? Is a lot of a lot of projecting on the screen what's inside you, and I think David Lynch is in a unique position that he can have fun with that, and a lot of directors can't. I think we were talking about dad jokes. That's just David Lynch's sense of humor. I yeah. just get the impression that you spend a bit of time with David Lynch, the jokes he, he is cracking at you will have your eyes rolling uh, because they're kind of awkward dad jokes. I just think that's him. Uh, and I think we're getting that through here. And to be honest with you, I would much rather have, you know, three episodes of that than 10 episodes of season two where we're meandering through different people's interpretations and different people's scripts. I would much rather have the David Lynch on screen. And that's what you're signing up for in season three. Yeah. Oh, for sure. This is all just, you know, like I've said before, though, I don't think this is so obtuse Mm -hmm. that it's, you know, you're unable to navigate it. And in fact, you know, as I've I've said a number of times, doing a a little bit of a victory lap of my own, Duncan, much like Lynch (laughs) in this scene, um, is that I've kind of, I feel like I've fallen into that Lynchian storytelling vibe so that when I watch these episodes, there are things that still shock me, of course, but it doesn't ever feel like I'm totally lost in a scene. There's stuff that confuses me and stuff I don't have the answers to, but I feel confident that they're there. And it with some exceptions, like a couple of things about this scene 
to bring it back um, that I really love. First of all, Richard Chamberlain cameo. I know. As, uh, you know, just the guy leading uh, Gordon into Denise's office. And they're having this conversation that you don't know the backstory of, but it culminates in you hearing that Paul is now in the North Pole. <laughs> and and Gordon Cole is like, well, I guess everything worked out then. And you're I just know like, <laughs> you're, what the fuck is going on with Paul? Why did he why is he in the North Pole? And it's this great moment of like, there's this whole story that happened on the walk to the door that mm-hmm. I kind of wish I'd heard. Um, anyway, also, there are unexplained flowers in the chair beside Cole when he sits down. This is true. And I don't know what that means other than there is this air of the feminine about this scene. Like there's one of my favorite moments, like this whole scene is just fucking gold. But, uh, when, uh, Denise is kind of giving him the business about maybe fucking, uh, Tammy, uh, what's her name? Pendleton. (laughs) Panera, Panera bread, (laughs) Tammy Panera bread. (laughs) What is it? Peterson? A Tommy Preston. Preston. I don't know why I, I can't hold that in my head. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but it's my favorite thing watching you go through <laughs> all the different iterations of what you might think it might be. It's, it's kind of it's a small insight into how your brain works, but it's pretty amazing. Uh, Schmendelton is probably my favorite so far. <laughs> Schmendelton. Uh, but when she's giving him some shit about uh, maybe fucking <laughs> the T is silent. <laughs> yeah, Schmendleton. it's push Schmendelton. Um, <laughs> I'm taking Tammy Pishmendleton. No, I won't fuck Tammy Pishmendleton. Um, anyway, so, so that's what he says. But uh, there's a great moment where he's like, there's room for two beautiful women in the FBI, Denise. And, she, and she's like, oh, Gordon. You're, yeah, no. <laughs> you're incorrigible and it's just the best this whole fucking scene like her like when denise says uh you know it wasn't easy to become chief of staff of the federal bureau of investigation don't you love it to say it all out like that yeah. <laughs> and she he's like yep it's pretty good all right <laughs> it's just oh uh, fuck um so good, man. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's an amazing scene. Um, you but- know, you know, we were like that. I wonder how. I, you know, remember before watching it, we we're like that. I wonder what's going to be like after. You know, like the excitement's part of all, and then you sit down and watch a scene like this, and you're just like that. This is everything I wanted it to be in more. Like you can't imagine yeah. what it's going to be like until you start watching it, and then you realize that even with the most fertile imagination, you probably still wouldn't have been close to what it's like, and that's what kind of makes it amazing. Yeah, I mean, I know we're only four hours into this, but this is the best season of Twin Peaks that ever was, mm-hmm. and and ever mm-hmm. will be. It is, mm-hmm. it is everything that you ever wanted, or everything I ever wanted, out yeah. of uh, the Twin Peaks mythology, and also that hint of goofiness and the weird storylines and the bizarre diversions and all that stuff. It's all here. And, and it's wonderful. It's so yeah. well done. Um, really yeah, well all right. Done episode. Let's move on. Yeah. And let's talk about one, maybe slight falter in the episode. Oh no, but don't, don't rain on my parade. Uh, well, we got to spend a little time because again, dumb dad jokes. 
um, Lucy can't figure out if the thermostat is on if no one's there. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's real stupid. See, I'm laughing. See, I'm laughing, though. That's the thing. It is so stupid. And I don't, I don't right, laugh when right. it's on the screen, but when you see it out, I laugh. So, <laughs> And so she's talking to Sheriff Truman, That's not so the one bad. in the hospital. But Frank Truman, the one we haven't played, met yet. Oh yeah, we're, we're about to find out who who's played by who. Originally, Lynch wanted to cast as Harry S. Truman. This actor was almost there, almost had the role, but couldn't do it for through other commitments. So um, uh, she was up as Frank Truman. Yeah, and 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 it's amazing because it's uh, she's on the phone and she's like Sheriff Truman. I lost you. I can't hear you. And then he walks in because he's on the cell phone and she sees it and she does what? like a, a straight up 1940 screwball comedy scream and falls back in her chair. Yeah. The chair flips back. Doesn't yeah. just fall back, flips back. And she, it was a stunt. They had to hire a stunt person to fall back in that chair for that scene. When I was up. watching it, I was like, they had that scene that set up was so expensive and it's such a dumb joke but that's and, kind of the beauty of it is that david lynch was like yeah it's important and but this is a call back to what she was like before like we we've had these things before like as a as a secretary she's not great that way um she's you know we love her as a character but she is a bit dense when it comes to this and i love the fact that andy of all people, comes out to speak to her. Andy, who's also a bit nice but dim. Um, yeah, j- just ex- like, hey, punky. <laughs> yeah, like it's. I don't know. I've explained it to you so many times, punky. Yeah, I don't understand how you can do all this thing, but this is the one thing you can't grasp that when people are using mobile phones, they don't need to be stuck in one location. They can walk and talk wherever they want. Um, and her face is just broke where she's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it truly freaks her out. Like it, it's like, she sees true magic happen in front of yeah, her and witchcraft, which is again, I mean, yes, it's really stupid and goofy, but I appreciate this joke probably more than the thermostat one. Um, yeah. but anyway, so, uh, there are also, there's a room where the station now has like real employees and like a real switchboard and stuff. Has and this room always existed, Bo? Perhaps so. We just never saw it, maybe. But there's a whole group of people that are back there just kind of playing grab ass and, and operating the switchboard and, like, they're yeah. picking up drunks. Chad, by the way, fuck Chad. We're going to get fuck, into it. Hashtag fuck Chad. Hashtag right? fuck Chad. Chad. One of the most reprehensible fucking... Obviously, I can't go into details, but, yeah. yeah that just, character doesn't improve over time. Fuck Chad. No, and, and also... You need to back the fuck up when you're talking to my man, Hawk. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, fuck Chad. We'll get into it. Um, So. (laughs) Yeah, Chad's not a likable character. And every interaction we have on this episode just makes me hate him more and more. And see what we talk about him? It's going to make me hate him more and more. Um, But yeah, so we're introduced to our new sheriff. Yep. Uh, who was mentioned in the secret history, uh, the secret, secret history? Yeah, secret history of Twin Peaks. Yeah. And it's oh, uh, Peaks. Robert Forster, we should get out of the way, is the, the actor playing. I, I love Robert Forster, and so does Great David Lynch. Act. 
Yes, and rightly so. He's a tremendous actor, like incredible actor. Uh, is one of the many reasons why I argue that Jackie Brown is the best Quentin Tarantino movie, and it's a lot to do with him. You know, it, <laughs> yes, you're like, right. That's He's the wrong great. answer. Now, I mean, again, I, I don't dislike Jackie Brown. It's a great movie. It's just my least favorite among Tarantino's, and you but he is amazing it. in it. You need uh, to watch it. You're probably right. Um, at any rate. So he's checking in with the uh, the the deputies in the back room, uh, playing craps and shit back there. Apparently, yeah. And I love there's Twin Peaks technology because once again, technology in Twin Peaks as a whole never really works the way that regular technology looks. So that switchboard would not exist even in modern days, even a small town like Twin Peaks. It's so convoluted and over the top and huge and what's it doing and all the rest. It's it's over the top technology which. Like we saw with um, Doppelcooper uh, with his laptop, which he can hack into in two seconds, and his weird device that allows him to communicate with who he thought was Philip Jeffries. All these things are Twin Peaks technology. It doesn't make sense. But in the world that we like kind of live in with Twin Peaks, I'm totally happy with that. Um, we also get uh, a return, Duncan. Uh, and and a little more information about a character uh, who has who has grown up, who has evolved, mm-hmm. because uh, Sheriff Frank Truman exits that room and sees another deputy uh, strolling down the hallway, and he calls to him, Deputy Briggs. Hey, I'm a deputy over here. <laughs> over here, over here. I oh, said, look at this I... gun, gun, shoot, shoot. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. Many, many episodes ago, I, I think it was. I absolutely our, do. I know what you're saying. Go. Yeah, I said, I think it was a question that came in from Darren Wilson that talked about like law enforcement or something and Bobby Briggs. And I think you had said at that point, uh, wouldn't it be interesting to see him, I don't know, working for the Sheriff's Department? I said, park that thought, Bo. I've seen beyond you that, that bit of information that you've mentioned will become vital and important further down the line. And that has come to fruition. You finally made the point I was talking about. Um, I'm glad. It was a lot of stress on my shoulders. Um, I'm just going to say there there are certain actors that get better over time. And Bobby, as an actor, um, back in the the old days, was interesting. It was a really good one. Um, as an adult, is fucking excellent. He, w- yes, a hundred percent improved. Like. He wasn't all like there. He just had a very specific look and a specific kind of delivery, and he was real manic. and And now he seems like a grown up adult who's a, a maybe he's just so good an actor, you know, that we he just had us fooled all along. <laughs> and and the adult Bobby Briggs that we see now is just like, oh, I could have done this then. <laughs> yeah, but I was a teenager, so yeah, I was playing a teenager. I was all over the place. I'm. I'm an actor, Duncan. I don't know if you saw that on my card. <laughs> it says Bobby Briggs, actor over here. <laughs> on the card right here. He's, so so basically we get this inter- interaction. <laughs> <with Bridge. laughs> I'm an actor over here. I love that. Uh, look at my card over here that says that I'm an actor over here. <laughs> right? uh, 
is like like Bobby Briggs actor in brackets over, over here. here. Yeah. Oh, fucking amazing. <laughs> uh, this, this, I'm just I'm picturing American Psycho. Oh my god, it's even got a watermark. Uh, just the, the, the business card. Solid scene. platinum. <laughs> Engraved uh, metal. Yeah. Over here. <laughs> over here. Uh, so yeah, so we find that that he is a deputy with the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Office. His specific specialism is on monitoring the border between Twin Peaks and Canada uh, to stop drugs coming over. Specifically Chinese designer drugs, which sound great. Yeah, but this is kind of ironic because in a past life, through what we know in uh, The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, what we know of Twin Peaks Season 1, and specifically the secret history of Twin Peaks, we know that Bobby Briggs was responsible for a lot of those drugs getting over the border. Hey, it was the 90s. People were doing lots of things. So so I kind of feel that on some part he has that job, but he has excelled in that job because he knows where to look. Yeah, and uh, but it, you know it's nice to see him. It's uh, it, it's just a, a a quick scene with him at the moment. Oh, uh, so much, so much better scene coming up. Oh. Yeah, and or, because he's like, hey my, hey, my back teeth are floating over here, and uh, <laughs> Sheriff Truman, the new Sheriff Truman, Sheriff Newman. Um, <laughs> Here's where we ride it out, folks. <laughs> Such a bad joke. <laughs> Jenner Newman. <laughs> Here in my car. <laughs> I was thinking more like, hello, Jerry. Uh <laughs> Hello, Sheriff Newman. <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, oh, it's terrible. So good, though. So, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> off, off Bobby fucks over here. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, wait till we get back to Dougie. I'm going to lay you out, son. Um, oh, Dougie. Dougie. Dougie's my hero in this episode. <laughs> um... So, uh, Hawk is... <laughs> Fucking A, and shut up, Chad. Uh, he's laying out his investigation for for Sheriff Newman, and... <laughs> we'll see if That's it his name from now on. Yeah. That's his name from now on. Um, and I also... I, I made a note. This is in my notes. Chad is the worst. I hope Doppel Cooper eats him alive. <laughs> how much i hate chad already so because yeah, he's just a fucking prick who right he's just over twin peaks he's the he's the non-twin peaks fan watching the show telling you it's shit because it doesn't make sense well and er, because sheriff newman is like hey hawk uh what is what the fuck is all this and hawk's like well m- you know margaret gave me a call and here's what she said and you know i'm investigating the uh, disappearance or, or not disappearance of Agent Cooper because they really don't, don't know that he's missing. They just know 
he's not there. I mean, they my up until uh, they realize that yes, he is truly off the grid. But for right now, they just think he kind of fucked off out of town and no one heard from him again. And also, like, so Sheriff Newman is trying to get his arms around all this. And Hawk's like, look, Margaret, it's unconventional, I know, but she's never led me wrong. And this feels like it's important. Meanwhile, Chad's like, yeah, I don't think so. I guess, <laughs> tell you what, I outside, I got a hickory nut giving me some messages, stupid Hawk. And... Sheriff True or Sheriff Newman finally is like Chad, get the fuck out of here, and and fortunately yeah. he does. But in comes uh, Bobby Briggs, hey, uh, and he rolls in and he sees like the picture, the picture of Laura Palmer, the homecoming picture. Yeah, and the love theme from Twin Peaks fires up. We get, but this is the thing. We have, there has been, and I mentioned it before, there has been a distinct lack of Baglametti score in this, in this show so far. We've spent very little time in Twin Peaks, and when we're outside Twin Peaks, we get no score. So when we return, we get bits and bobs of, of, of the score that comes through. Um, and in the case of this one, um, the full theme builds back up and we obviously see Bobby's very, very emotional reaction as he looks upon the picture of, um, you know, of Laura Palmer, who, like, we don't need to explain the, the history there, but, you know, it's, it's obviously a name he's not thought of in a very long time. And he's all caught up with it. It's, I, th- I think it's great. It's very emotional. And once again, Bobby Bricks, fucking amazing actor. Hey, he's not Bobby I'm Briggs. so he's sad dead. over here. I'm so sad over here. Look at me. I'm crying over here. Look, I'm crying. I'm looking at the picture of Lord. I'm crying like a baby over here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Scene. <laughs> <laughs> and cut and and done done with the podcast that's where it ends um so we so we do learn a few things from bobby because he's like hey i remember agent cooper over here he visited my dad right before he left town like a punk like a mishugana um <laughs> <laughs> he's now become a jewish I don't, know. I don't know where that came from <laughs> he's harnessing his inner barbara streisand apparently i apparently almost called him a mozzarella um, anyway, <laughs> oh God, I shouldn't be doing this show. Um, but the thing about this is once again, this ties into the end of the secret history of Twin Peaks, where we are revealed that the, the archivist was actually Major Briggs and Major Briggs right at the very end of the book says, oh, Dale Cooper's here to see me. Right. And then there's the Mayday message. And, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so th- the whole deal is that Bobby tells the, the assembled crowd that um, Agent Cooper visited his father right before he left Twin Peaks, and the, the next day, Colonel Briggs died mm-hmm. at the observation post. And or then, did he, Bull? Or is he floating in the Black Lodge saying, Rosa. <laughs> um, Really well done. Thanks. Um, speaking of well done, Duncan. The That's how you like your steak? <laughs> no, with ketchup. No. Um, this uh, scene. China. Is, 
Jane 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 so this scene is interrupted by uh, a call that uh, lets us know that Wally Brando uh. it, it has arrived to see his parents and would also like to she- see Sheriff Newman. Yeah. But Wally Brando being the offspring of we're going to assume that it wasn't <clears throat> Dick Tremaine after all. It was Andy and Lucy um, and their their child who was born on the the, was it the same birthday as Marlon Brando? I think we found out before. Yeah. Um, which, once again, when you hear that, you're like, that. oh, right, that's why they named it. No, Twin Peaks isn't going to play that game. Twin Peaks commits. So if they give you a detail like that, it's for a very distinct reason. That very distinct reason will be explained by Bo right now. So, Wally Brando, son of uh, Andy and Deputy... Uh, Deputy Lucy. Deputy Andy and Lucy... <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh my god. Yeah. I can't figure out the gun, Sheriff. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, Wally Brando is played by Michael Cera of Super Bad Fame and uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. Uh, the World um, and uh, Arrested Development, obviously. So, mm-hmm. he is dressed as uh, Marlon Brando from The Wild One. Yes. <laughs> complete with motorcycle. Like, he's in the same pose and the same jaunty angle of his chapeau uh, to mimic Marlon Brando. But he's doing an almost Godfather Brando impression. It's the, it's the Godfather. It's amazing. And it's like when it's the era when Brando gave away the Oscar mm-hmm. and had the Native American woman come out on stage in on his behalf. This is the era of Brando that he's doing the impression of. Yeah. And he tells this story about like, it's just him regaling tales of him going to the highways and byways. You know, I can't even do the impression, (laughs) but uh, I won't even try, but uh, of America. And like one of the moments in one moment, he's like, my Dharma is the road. Mm -hmm. Yours. uh, Talking to Sheriff Newman yours and then he just kind of opens his arms to twin peaks and it's uh, amazing when when he talks about like he follows in the the footsteps of lewis and clark also from secret history um uh mentioned heavily there uh and that they were the first caucasians to cross (laughs) the the continent oh my god duncan i lost my shit (laughs) That was one of the funniest lines I'd heard in so long. Like his his performance as Wally Brando should get him an Emmy for those like two and a half minutes he's in the it's, show. It's insane because I remember seeing the list of actors and actresses who I did when I read Michael said I was like that seems miscast. You know what I mean? That way we were just like that. I don't. Why would you? No, that seems a bit weird. Um, and then I saw it and. I love it, and his justification for being there is the greatest of all time. So he's travelled back to his parents <laughs> to let them know that they can do whatever they want with his childhood bedroom now that he doesn't live there anymore. That's why he's travelled back. They can do whatever they want with it. Yeah, they can turn into the study that they've wanted. 
It's just and, oh, amazing. Bowl. It is. Like, it's actually incredible. amazing. That, like, nothing is really pushed forward in this scene. This is really just a moment where the show, much like the, the, the scene with Gordon Cole and Denise, it's just where the show puts on the brakes to be like, hey, look at this awesome thing. Yeah. Remember, <laughs> remember, remember Twin Peaks? Remember, remember why this show was just unlike anything you've ever seen before? Look what I can do for five minutes. Pow. Right. Doesn't, look, don't cost you nothing. How about you enjoy a little Wally Brando for a minute? It's um, so good. It is so good. I, and like I knew that he was playing their kid, but I I didn't know the Wally Brando gag. Yeah, I wish I'd been a fly in the wall to see that. Honestly, because I obviously I know what I was like when I saw. It. I was like, what the fuck. <laughs> like actually, loud out loud said that, and then about a minute into it, I was like that David Lynch could be. Like we could be talking about Elon Musk levels of genius in the film industry. You know what well, I mean? The guy is just I think he just operates I think he just sees very much like how Dougie Cooper sees that like Black Lodge symbol above the the slot machines so he knows which ones to press. I just think that when David Lynch looks at people, he sees a black lodge symbol above them that just knows that whatever he puts them in is gonna be awesome. Oh man, I hope that's true. Uh, I must be honestly. He's never. I can't. How many times do we have we ever sat during anything that we've done where specifically we're talking about something that David Lynch has done, where we've said that it hasn't really hit the mark? I right. can't think of any. I yeah, I may not have been into what he was doing, but I understand what he was doing. Uh, exactly. And, yeah. Never, never. There's no, there's never any ambiguity there. At first, it might seem like a struggle, but when you get into it, you realize that it feels like the obvious choice. That you, as a person who couldn't understand it at the beginning, you're the idiot, not him. Like he knew from the beginning, it's you that's playing catch up, and that's what's that's what's awesome about it. It's yeah. great fucking scene. Great scene. Yeah. It. it I, it's Robert worth... Forrester's face as well. While it's all happening, where he's just like, "Okay, may the <laughs> like... road rise up to meet your wheels, <laughs> Wally Brando." It's a beautiful statement. Um, <laughs> it's just the best, man. That whole scene is is like, again, this fourth episode contains so much fucking amazing shit <laughs> that it's hard to get your head right. Um, back at Thurgies. Mike's uh, <laughs> Durgies. Um no uh, one is, still no one is getting medical attention for him. And, no. and then Mike in the in the black lodge with red curtains in the background kind of fades into the corner of his room. It's kind of like I'm trying to tune in to to Dougie Cooper. And it's a little faded. He's like, Can you hear me? And uh and Dougie looks at him because he don't, he can't say nothing. Um uh, he's uh and then Mike <laughs> he just grunts. Mike tells him that uh that he was tricked and that, you know, here's the big reveal is that there can't exist both Doppelcooper and Dougie Cooper in the same world. Like one of them now has to die. Yeah. And and oh I mean Come on, let's crank it up this season. Somebody got to fucking die. Um, and then Naomi Watts comes in and is giving him the business for not being a functioning uh, adult, which is totally a reasonable argument to be, to make in this uh, mm-hmm. scenario. And 
then he starts doing a pee pee dance. And <laughs> and Naomi Watts is like, "What is wrong with you? Go to the bathroom!" And she kind of shoves him in there. <laughs> I'm just happy because you're happy. Uh, oh, it's, the, it's, the, it's the image that's in my head of the pee pee dust. Uh, so. I'm going to do that tomorrow at my work. I'm going to sit and I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to type a bit longer than I should have at my desk when I need a pee. And then I'm just going to be like, roll like with every step, you let out a little one. Um, it's like if you have a fart. Um, <laughs> crop dust, right along. Crop the- dust as someone with a good old derp. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what has this show become? Really awesome don't. is what has become. Bo. Awesome. I really don't know. Uh, so, th- but there is kind of a funny gag, and like here's the weird juxtaposition of David Lynch: is that you get the dumb thermostat gag. Then you get the kind of genius of Wally Brando. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of this scene where uh, Agent Cooper, or, you know, Dougie Cooper. Doesn't is, know how to pee. Doesn't know how to pee, is initially surprised and a little afraid of it. And then kind of gets in the swing of things and settles in. And he's like, Durr. Um And is, is good with it now. And finally understands like, oh, sometimes you have to pee. But it just, it, like, what this scene tells us is that he don't know how to do nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we we get a, a moment where he stares in the mirror, which is, you know, the last time we saw that was the end of season two. Of him just looking at himself in the mirror. But now, you know, it raises the question of, like, who is this really? Who, like, he's he's not Agent Cooper. He's not the Agent Cooper uh, that we, we know and love. Um, that he is this broken version of that. Um, mm-hmm. although a moment later we see glimpses of the old agent Cooper, uh, and I would argue there's a fundamental decency to his character that is innate to Agent Cooper. But um, he sees uh his kid Sonny Jim in the hallway. Yeah, uh, who's like staring at him through the bedroom window, trying to get his shit together because Naomi Watts has tasked him with getting his tie on because <laughs> she does she can't get the tie right and mm-hmm. she gives it to dougie and dougie of course Durr! you know doesn't know what to do with the tie for nothing <laughs> Durr, Durr, Durr. uh and meanwhile sunny jim is just staring at him in the doorway like hello father um and it, <laughs> <laughs> i see you you're having trouble with your tie father um and indubitably um but he gives him a thumbs up, and so Dougie Cooper also returns the thumbs up, although it kind of leads him around in a circle, because he's all, Thur! you know, like like he's hitchhiking God. I don't know what's happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so uh, then there's like this weird scene from Jaws where he goes down to breakfast, and he's <laughs> watching his kid eat, and he's trying to figure out how, how to eat from that. And Naomi Watts is not paying any attention because she's busy, like, you know, cooking breakfast and getting ready for shit. And uh, he comes down like his ties around his head because he's like, you know, just throws it where <laughs> wherever. 
And <laughs> so it's it, it plays out much like the scene from Jaws if Roy Scheider had suffered an amazingly devastating head injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's one of my favorite moments in the scene where she's like, here's your coffee, Dougie. And first of all, I want this mug that says, oh, yeah. this is Dougie's coffee, which is mm-hmm. brilliant. And But there's this glimmer of recognition where Dougie Cooper goes, coffee. Because he remembers both. He remembers coffee, only he doesn't remember how to drink it because he takes a big swig of it and then immediately does this giant spit take. And... Naomi Watts turns around and is like, Dougie, what is wrong with you? And he just goes, hi. (laughs) And I think it's worth noting that the song playing in this scene is called Lark uh, Mm -hmm. by Dave Brubeck. And I think that's what this scene is. It's just a really goofy joke about how Dougie Cooper don't know how to do nothing. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really kind of nice and textured, and the stuff with this kid is fun and all that stuff. I, it's a good scene. All right, moving on. Um, it's worth watching. Um, Jane Adams is back, <laughs> by the way. Yes, she is. Uh, so Constance uh, is her character's name. So she is part of the investigation of the Matthew Lillard character murder. And they remember that, ladies and gents. That's still happening. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing that's still going on. And they have found a match on the prints from the uh, the apartment or the house where she was murdered. and But they can't get an ID because military authorization is required to get that information. And, Bo? I don't know why I said it like a creaky old door. Yeah, I, times. right. Uh, yeah, no. I don't. I don't know. What do you want? That like, give me more. <laughs> Things are suspicious. Well, yeah, of course, most certainly, and we also had that conversation in the last episode about uh, not being able to reveal the name of a murderer because of military authorization. Military, you see, mm-hmm. hmm. like Colonel oh. Briggs oh, and the whole. We... <laughs> I would like to applaud Major Briggs' transformation from character into apparently sperm whale um, <laughs> on, this, on this episode. <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. Out here on the waters. <laughs> For some reason, you're, you're going that way. Listening to I'm their going, song. I'm going Star Trek 4 for some reason. Oh, okay. I can't. I can't do that, Captain. Um, It's been too long since I've seen Star Trek 4. It has been a while. Yeah. I like six more. Oh, six is amazing. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorites. I think two and six are my favorites. Yeah. Takpa. Which means to be or not to be in the original Klingon. Yeah, which is the only way to read it. Um, oh, man, that movie's good. 
Uh, <laughs> even that dumb like Christian Slater cameo when the light comes on, he's like, "Hey, hey, Captain," and you know, yeah. <laughs> like he's a rat when the lights come on. Hey, hey uh, Captain, and what, what's missing from that scene is, oh my, <laughs> oh, well, Christian. Oh my! I'd like to pray. Yeah, um, and then there's a whole lot of sucky fucky right after that. But let's move on. Yes. Uh, speaking of sucky fucky, um, <laughs> Tammy and uh, wait for the segue. <laughs> Gordon, along with Albert, there's not that much sucky fucky. In fairness, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, listeners, didn't mean to build up your hopes. Um, they're heading for uh, the prison um, where they're going to actually have this interview with Doppel Cooper. Now, all they, they think it's Agent Cooper. We know better, listeners. We know better. And here's another fucking weird thing that I love is that Gordon Cole is like, we're nowhere near Mount Rushmore. And so Albert has brought him a picture of Mount Rushmore. Yeah, so, which is amazing. So he... He, he wouldn't be disappointed. Oh. oh, Twin Peaks, man, this episode. Um, the thing, like, when we were talking earlier on, we mentioned that, like, in the previous episode review, I said there was a dad joke in there, and you were like, that. no, 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 there's a dad joke coming up. I know what you're on about, and it comes in the second it's half. this scene, that, yeah. That's not what I meant. Like, see, when he says, oh, we get to see Mount Rushmore, Gordon Cole mishears him, and thinks he means that they need to hurry to go somewhere. You're right. I'm sorry I cut you off. I thought you meant this one, which is almost a callback to that joke. Yes, it's the same idea. <laughs> Both of them are just fucking great. And I know we're like dad jokes still the rest, but anything that has Gordon Cole mishearing something uh, by Kuna, um, I love. Yeah, it's it's terrific. Say it, Bo. By Kuna, say it. By Kuna. Um, <laughs> See, you feel better now. I do, always. And Vicuna Matata. <laughs> what a wonderful phrase. It means no worries. <laughs> for the God rest bless. of your days. God bless you, Oransdor. God bless you. You, got, you what I love about it is you commit to it. You know, I could leave Duncan hanging and everyone will feel sorry for him. Or I could commit to this potentially fuck up here and make people hate me or stick the landing and you sir stick the landing well Duncan it's our problem free philosophy (laughs) (laughs) you son of a bitch I had a mouthful of beer you son of a bitch (laughs) oh so good so good oh so easy um so the joke that I thought you were referencing, sorry again, um, go well, go back listeners and listen to that segment and pretend he said that then. Cause that, that seems like a lot of editing. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but it, it's it, Gordon Cole kind of nodding at, at Tammy Pennebaker, um, in the front seat. And, uh, Albert says, oh, she gets a little car sick. Yes. And Gordon Cole goes, Albert! (laughs) 
Cossacks are in Russia. That's so dumb. And Albert, like, immediately is like, Corsic! And, like, you know he's by his tongue, like, you deaf old man. Like, it is... Yes, it is a totally stupid joke, but because it is one of these I-don't-hear-so-good gags, it totally sings for me. I thought it was wonderful. Um, So good. uh, All right, so we get to the prison, and we're getting uh, kind of a a, a quick rundown of what happened in between Doppelcooper ending up in a federal prison Uh and, and the car accident. So one of the cops ended up going to the hospital after getting a whiff of Garbage Borgia. Garbage. Oh. And and also they get they reveal the contents of Doppel Cooper's trunk, which was a machine gun. Yep. A bunch of sweet, sweet cocaine. <laughs> and what, what what else could we call cocaine, Bo? I wonder. The kids call it clean burning propane, Duncan. <laughs> Oh, he's, um, he's dead. He's dead, but... I died lives horribly. <laughs> um, he, did, he did die horribly. He was murdered by his cellmates. Like a bitch, Duncan. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Used him like a flashlight. Uh, dear. I got fucked in the mouth, Duncan. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a waking nightmare. Uh, anyway... Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, <yeah. laughs> so in addition to the machine gun I tried to call it for help but all I could get her was <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> which is how is how the, the people in the black lodge say Garmin Bush <laughs> we're not ruining this we love this show you almost sound like you almost sound like Winston Churchill trying to say we'll fight them on the beaches. Did you see the cigars a dick? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I worked that out. Well, you know, Freud said sometimes the cigar is a cigar, and Winston Churchill famously smoked cigars. Yeah. In that case, the cigar was a dick. Dick. (laughs) For the purposes of this joke, that cigar was a penis. Um, (laughs) In addition, all right, I don't want to cut this. Like, we have to appreciate the fact that in addition to the machine gun and and cocaine, Mm -hmm. there is a dog's leg. Also, in Double Cooper's trunk. Yeah, I, let's put that into perspective here. There, there is no rest of the dog. It's no. just the dog's leg. <laughs> just the leg of a dog. <laughs> so, in my thinking, when you see a three-legged dog, Duncan, <laughs> that is a Double Cooper victim. If ever I saw one, it's a calling card. <laughs> Yeah, like, in addition to murdering them, I cut off one of their dog's legs. <laughs> because that's the kind of a son of a bitch I am. <laughs> Do 
picture of a bounty hunter travelling ten for ten, trying to track down Doppel Cooper. He's just arriving there and seeing this like a dog lump across the road and going, "He's been here." I need you to check all all the utility poles in town. Look for pictures of three-legged dogs and cats. Oh. Cats less so. Definitely dogs. <laughs> So good. Uh. <laughs> Is your name Lucky? Not for long. <laughs> because you would have to rename a dog if if one day that dog came up a leg short. <laughs> you could not, in good conscience, call that dog Lucky any longer. So they finally get around. (laughs) She was a pure joy. (laughs) Fucking amazing. (laughs) They they finally work their way into the interview room with Doppel Cooper, who is behind like you know military grade steel, a shutter that you know they hit a button and it you know (laughs) goes up to reveal Doppel Cooper. Who, by the way, looks as much like Bob in this scene as you possibly could. Oh, yeah. That's clearly what they're aiming for. No ambiguity at all. The, 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 I mean, obviously, for those that don't know, the actor that played Bob passed away. Uh, and I also want to do a correction here, um, which was pointed out. The actor that played um, uh, the the man from the other place, uh, the, the arm, uh, is not dead. I thought he was. Uh, but one of the listeners very kindly pointed out that he is still alive. Apparently, he maybe made some accusations that David Lynch molested his daughter, and that's what Twin Peaks is about. Um, and that may have got him not invited to the run of the new show oh. and replaced with a tree with a brain on it. Well, that's, that's bummer. That's what David Lynch will do. David Lynch will carry on. It kind of reminds me of that time that Chef and Seth Park found Scientology and didn't want to do the show anymore, so Seth Park used clips of him before to make him a robot pedophile. <laughs> yeah. You want to come at me? You come like, at the king, you best not miss. He's like, I want to make love to your children. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, That's God. what they did. It was I amazing. know, it, it was. It was an amazing moment in like real life hitting that show in a big hard way. Um all right. Fuck the fuck ever with someone that has a really funny satirical biting cartoon show that goes out every single week. Don't do it. Mm. Don't do it. Go quietly into the night. Do not criticize because they will fuck you up and they will win. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that, Duncan. Um yes. so uh you know, Doppel Cooper says, uh, I've been working with Philip Jeffries. Mm-hmm. And uh, I need to be debriefed by you, Gordon. I missed the good times we had. 
And, uh, it, it, oh man, this scene is so good. It's just creepy and weird. And, um, and he says like, I left messages so Philip knows it's safe. When are you going to get me out of here, Gordon? And, uh, and finally, you know, Cole is like, look, uh, there's enough evidence to hold you right now, but we're going to try to bring you home. And then to creep everyone out a little more. Doppel Cooper says, I never really left home, Gordon. <laughs> and they immediately like close the shutter and everyone's like, that was weird, right? <laughs> weird? Do you feel weird? You, Tammy. No? Albert? Just me? <laughs> me. Seemed weird. Um, anyway, <laughs> so. <laughs> but afterwards, uh, Cole, Cole uh, says that he has to give, uh, tells the warden, you've got to give uh, Agent Cooper his um, constitutional right to a private phone call and be sure to let him know what the contents of that phone call uh, would be. Um mm-hmm. So then it's Albert and Tammy and Cole kind of outside a restaurant. And uh, then they realize, like, you know, Tammy, you're wired. And she's like, you told me to wear a mic. And he's I like, love that bit. I love that bit. Because it's like, like, when he says that at first, you're like, oh, she's a... And then he's like, straight away, she's like, you told me to wear it. And he's like, yes, <laughs> I did. Yeah. And then he sends her into the restaurant and uh and she swings her ass into the restaurant um uh, in as sultry a walk as ever you saw uh yeah. which catches the eye of of course Gordon and uh Albert who are both like Albert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so Gordon cranks up his hearing aid all the way so that Albert can whisper and Albert reveals that he authorized Philip Jeffries to give Cooper some information years before and Jeffries was told uh who the man in Columbia is yeah and are their man in Columbia and once he gave that information to Philip Jeffries like the next month that guy was dead and then uh they're like well you know what do you think this is like one of the great lines is like I have no understanding of what's happening right now do you understand what's happening right now? And Albert goes, eh, Blue Rose. And Gordon Cole says, Doesn't get any bluer. Yeah. And they then they say that they're they need one person to take a look at Cooper to to see if he's really him. And uh Cole asks Albert if he knows where she is. Mm-hmm. And Albert says in a wonderful line. I know where she drinks. Cut to Au Revoir, Simone. The band playing at the Roadhouse, uh, playing a wonderful song, and that takes us to the end of the show. Ooh. Mm. Fuck, Duncan. So good. I want to lay you down by the fire, Twin Peaks. <laughs> I want to make love to you. David Lynch. 
I want to lay down by the fire. If if David Lynch said to you, Duncan, I want to put my tongue in your ear for 14 seconds. You could do it in a second. All right. I, I, you know, there would not, there's no even thought process in there. Do it. All right. <laughs> I'm just making sure I made the right call. Um, <laughs> just one confirmation. Um, Duncan, these are two slam bang great episodes of Twin Peaks: mm-hmm. The Returnsies. Off the back of two pretty amazing Twin Peaks episodes, so we are four for four, I would say, sir. Yeah, uh, this is uh, kind of wonderful. Uh, you know, as we said earlier, it, it, it's sort of all the the charm and weirdness of Twin Peaks, but also modernized. And I can I can absolutely see fans of the original series who maybe weren't really into Firewalk with me coming to this show and being like, this just isn't the Twin Peaks I remember. Yeah. But Twin Peaks got dark when, when, when the lights went out on the original run of the series, like Firewalk with me set a different tone. And this is, this whole series, this, the return sees is such a weird fusion of both the original series and some of that sensibility, but a much darker tone underneath it all. Yeah, I think some of the complaints that I've read thus far, people saying that it doesn't have the, you know, doesn't feel like the original Twin Peaks. And what they're looking for is the Laura Palmer stuff, which was solved. You know what I mean? The show moved past that and it started exploring other territories. And that's where we exist now is the after effects of the other territories. So... Yeah, Where, whereas, like, Twin Peaks, in a lot of ways, was a murder mystery. This mm-hmm. is, like, an existential thriller. Exactly, and I think there are very few shows, if any shows, doing anything remotely close to what Twin Peaks is doing in these first four episodes, and this is why this show is need. Like, people become complacent, and I tell you right now, five years from now, the amount of TV shows that are copying what's happened here uh, is going to be ridiculous. Trendsetter never follows, always always leads. Uh, Twin Peaks and David Lynch can't wait. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, uh, as we bring this one in for a landing, Duncan, uh, let us one more time uh, mention where people can find you should they want to do such a thing after listening to this episode. <laughs> uh, lay it on me. Um, so yeah, so my, my primary show is the podcast Under the Stairs. You can find that on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast, the website tputzcast.com. Um, we are on iTunes under Podcast Under the Stairs, but you can also find us on Legion Podcast Network. My show is about to hit the fantastic milestone of four years of podcasting, we will we will do that on a special episode that drops on the thirty first of August. But we are slap bang right in the middle of our top ten, the summer top ten run of shows, looking at um, movies from the nineteen seventies, the decade, and going year by year, taking ten of the top movies in Whitland and two. So by the end of this series of shows, we will have an ultimate list of twenty movies, which we will then shorten down. To 10 movies again with myself and my guest hosts on this fantastic roundtable. It's been a slog, but probably one of my favourite things I've ever done with a podcast yet. Um, and there's a ton of other content coming on that show as well. So check it out. 
All right. Uh, yeah, it is a fantastic series. I haven't listened to the one that dropped today yet, uh, which is 75? Oh, yeah, Jaws. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, the year, it's the year that Jaws and Deep Red came out, Bo. Right, that's right. I I don't know that that's right. I don't know that those are the right picks for that year, but, you know. <laughs> you didn't have yeah, me on Jaws, that one. Jaws, like, is, Jaws is kind of overrated on my own. I'm not one. talking about Jaws, but and, and you know my newfound love of the Gialli. But still, uh, you know, but, you know, I, I get it because like when we do the episodes, it's serious. It's for real. Sometimes with quarter Ricky, it's a little loosey goosey, maybe. Yeah. You know, like, let's see what happens. Let's throw some names in a hat. See what comes out, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm throwing shade. Like all those shows are great. So, and all the movies that come out of those are amazing movies, even deep red. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh on my end uh folks please check out legionpodcasts.com um where you can find not only uh this show uh but also uh what what other shows do i do uh there's horror hangover there's a new one of those coming up uh hero hero go show about to wrap up our, our look at tomie um the as, shodcast. as all the shodcast uh then there's uh the one about just uh me being tired um uh, also devour the podcast and devour yeah which is a monthly yeah. uh podcast that some people have heard of um yeah i do a lot of shit um, yep all right well yeah check some of that out uh almost like 10 percent of it is is pretty okay um <laughs> no it's all it's all fantastic um at any rate uh thank you guys though for listening to this show right here uh duncan and bow come correct slash duncan and bow go to uh twin Peaksies, uh colon Twin Peaks, colon, the return sees. Hashtag. Um, hashtag fuck Chad. Because uh, really, fuck Chad. That's really what you oh, should walk away from this Chad episode so with. Hard. Wally, uh, Wally Brando is amazing. Fuck Chad. Those are the two big lessons of, mm. of tonight's show. So, folks, thank you uh, so much for listening. And uh, if you would listen, uh, or not listen, you're already doing that. If you would, leave us a review. Leave us a rating on whatever platform uh, with which you receive the show. And most importantly, if you're enjoying the show and somebody's getting into Twin Peaks or whatever, hey, we we did the whole thing. The whole darn show. We've cut episodes upon episodes of us talking about this goddamn Twin Peaks show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, leading up to and including uh, the return season. So um, we will be back next week with two new episodes of Twin Peaks, uh, colon, the return season. Uh, until then, say goodnight, Duncan. Good night. Hello. So long. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get married.